Hello and welcome to Backing Paper number 60. Wow, I mean, uh, 60. What can you say about 60? Nothing. So let's move straight on to our wonderful co-hosts this evening. I've got with me, of course, the delightful Rachel. Rachel, how are you doing? Hello. Yes, I'm here. Exciting stuff. Uh, back for another another edition of Backing Paper. Exciting. Um, still getting over my uh, hangover from the Sunnies Awards last week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. We got very, very sloshed at the after party, didn't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, it was I'm... great. I'm hoping none of those paparazzi shots get out because um, that could be could be rough. Uh, do you have anything to say about number sixty for the show? Can you think of anything? Uh, Aid's really good, though, isn't he? Thinking of things. What sixty would be? What sixty? No, no, I don't know. Nothing. Don't know. But you know who might have? Because I'm sure he's definitely been thinking of something whilst we've been prevaricating. It is the one and only Matthew Joseph. Matthew, how are you? I'm great. I'm I'm a box of fluffies. This morning, it's very <laughs> early. Fluffies, that's brilliant. Is that like a norm? Is that like a normal kind of um, expression phrase, or well, is that just a Matthew? A, phrase? I think it's a New Zealand. I've said it to Australians, and they look at me fun, like oddly, which is you know normal. Um, <laughs> and but I think it's a Kiwi thing. I think that might um, be a Kiwi phrase. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but I'm, it's very cute. I like it. Oh, thank you. You can use it. Yay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and okay, so what's the, what's the thing about number sixty, Matthew? Oh, I mean, you had all um, that time. I'm, I had. I'm frantically looking. I can't see anything photographic related to sixty. Okay, well, I mean, um, you know, I think most famous for being the um, UK speed limit on on a road. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. Ah, sixty miles an hour. Fantastic. That's the fact you're here for. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay away from numbers. That's definitely more AIDS game than mine. Well, there is an interesting number that happened this week. We have have mentioned it in relation to Matthew Joseph, obviously. Um, you had a very exciting birthday. I did. I turned 40. I, I, I have officially grown into my grumpiness. So, yeah, 40. <laughs> did I've the grumpiness come like, first? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, as soon as I turned about 20, I acted like I was 40. So. It's nice to fit my persona. My age fits my persona. Ah, I see, I see. And the amazing cake, of course, which was uh, doing the rounds all over the internet, the viral cake. Yes, the (laughs) viral cake and the consumption of the viral cake. Um, The the consumption of the viral cake. I know, Mm, Yum. It's of me eating it. It was a a delicious cake too. It was um, chocolate red velvet. Oh, that's amazing. I'm a big Red Velvet fan. It wasn't just like a Madeira cake or anything like that. It actually had some some flavour to it. What I particularly liked about that cake, because this cake, as we've mentioned before, and, you know, maybe Matthew can shove a picture of it up on the show notes, because Matthew, of course, deals with all our web stuff. Thank you so much, Matthew. And particularly thank you for that lovely moment we had on the Sundays when Aid realised what you'd done to him. (laughs) We all enjoyed that. Um, I, I, I... I actually felt a little bit bad because he was like, oh, you know, check out the website. You know, Matthew does this, all these pictures and stuff. And I'm like, uh-oh, he hasn't looked at it lately, <laughs> has he? Well, <laughs> you were only 50% of the guilty party with that. As I mentioned on the yes. time, you know, Paul Mackay is the one that sent us in this picture and went, you might be able to use this for something with friends what? like this. My favourite part about that interaction with Paul was he wanted to confirm it was me that he was sending the photo to on Instagram before he actually <laughs> sent it. He didn't want it to be uh, disappeared. 
As if, as if Aid even knows that Instagram still exists. That's very quaint. Um, what I, I love, right? Does he? Does he even know the password? Um, he did once, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, what I love is your cake. This amazing Hasselblad X-Pan cake. I mean, Hasselblad X-Pan is a camera which. I'm never going to own because it is so far out of my price range. I love the fact that your cake of the Hasselblad camera cost more than almost all of my cameras did as well. <laughs> Even <laughs> your cake camera cost more than I could have wanted to spend on the camera. Um, it was my best. It was my birthday present. <laughs> It was a very Christmas special birthday birthday present, and you know it's it's like anything sort of like with those kind of special gifts, isn't it? You know, if you yeah. equate it to kind of like a wedding cake or something, you can see why they cost so much because they've got such a, a lot of skill in there as well. Yeah, and you know the not that you get money from going viral on the internet, as far as I can tell, but just the the look on my camera nerd friends' faces when when it came out that was pretty priceless too. Awesome. Uh, did no. you get any other fun birthday presents? Uh, yeah, I got a um, another friend got me a uh, the Saturn V Lego set. The Saturn V? What's the Saturn V? <laughs> yeah, you know, the rocket you know, uh, Apollo Apollo Eleven. You know, the oh, I see. Lunar oh, oh, I see. Sorry, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I've been I got Harry Potter Lego, so it was a bit different. <laughs> so Still confused. magic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to see um, yeah, you so celebrated I'm... your 40th birthday with some Lego. That's good. Good case. <laughs> Growing up going very much according to plan. Um, yeah. Rach, have you, been up to, have you been up to anything fun this week? Uh, I haven't really. I'm sorry. Yeah, no no, no news from me, I'm afraid. Um, nothing to really, uh, yeah, talk about photographically, I'm afraid. Um, busy trying to catch up on, on um, things with work and easing my way back into working life again. <laughs> uh, and the ever-growing mountain from, obviously, a couple of those few weeks where I've had to push things back. So, uh, yeah, apologies for um, continued uh, sort of, um, delays on various various things uh, with that. Um, nothing nothing exciting that I can talk about really photographically. But um, That's yeah, That's one of those right. things. Anything anything from you? Not really. I'm trying to desperately finish up a few rolls of film so I can get those developed. Most specifically, I need to finish up and get developed, or at the very least, just give up and get developed. My role of cheap shots challenge pictures. Now I know you haven't been able to get any shot for this round, Rach, which is a sad thing. But at least it gives me a better chance of beating Aid, um, which is <laughs> all that really matters. Um, but on the subject of cheap shots challenges, uh, the first few mails we've got this week are some cheap shot challenge entries. So should we hit those? Yes, that sounds like a great idea. Do you want to take um, this first one then, Rach? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we've got um, first one is from Mike Rattle, uh, who says, "Hey, Sunnies, the deadline for the cheap shots challenge is Saturday, first to the eighteenth. No, hang on, or eighteenth <laughs> of the first. There we go. As y'all would say, um, is a JPEG okay? Love the show. By the way, I am not involved with lawnmower racing." but instead made a documentary film about how the sport is on the cutting edge in the battle against a deadly disease known as Huntington's. And he's also sent us some um, information. Uh, I, I like the way that he's written the sentence, Mo information at the Moa movie, oh. uh, sorry, at moamovie.com, which is brilliant. So thank you very much, Mike. This is in reference, I believe, to another email that um, you had whilst I wasn't around actually on the show. Uh, Graham? 
Yeah, I think it, I think what happened was I can't remember exactly, but I think oh, I think Mike may have donated to us through coffee, and we were talking about that on mm-hmm. there. And um, yes, we initially made the assumption that Mike was involved with um, the mower racing, whereas he's actually made a movie about it. Although I would say that still makes him involved with it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got these two lovely shots. Um, so uh, the first shot is a clearly a, a long shutter speed shot uh, at a bar at Mike's local bar. I'm going to guess um, because the bar and everything on it is in nice crystal clear focus and sharp, whereas all the patrons of the bar are ghosted and moving, and uh, that's very cool, isn't it? Yeah, I really like that. And you can all you can actually still see like that they've got smiles on their faces, even though they're moving really, really, really quickly. Uh, I mean, they are in a bar, you know, and drinking beer, I guess. So, you know, you'd expect them to be quite happy, wouldn't you? Um, but it looks quite like a pinhole photograph. I don't actually know what he shot it on. Is there any extra information? Uh, no, there isn't, I'm afraid. No, he didn't get any, didn't get anyone. But I don't think it's pinhole. No. no, it looks like probably like an old one. But, um, but that idea of... Um, showing movement and things obviously mm. with a uh, with a slow shutter or a long exposure or whichever way um actually somebody mentioned that didn't they in a previous email uh what what's the difference between it being a slow shutter and a, a long exposure you know when do you use the term for each sort of thing um but uh but yeah that idea that obviously pinhole works really well for doing that and obviously mike's isn't but um as you say but i like that a lot seeing all that movement so Matthew, I mean, this first shot, um, obviously the theme, I'm not sure whether Mike was aware, but it doesn't matter, um, the, the theme for this Cheap Shots Challenge was, of course, Christmas or seasonal, <laughs> seasonal threat. Do you think this... Uh, Festive season. Are, are we going <laughs> to assume that this was Mike in the bar in the run up to Christmas, Matthew? Yeah, it's it, it's jolly. Yes, it absolutely Everyone's is having a good time. And it looks like, I think there's a light. I think there's a light in the background, but it's on one of the people's heads so it looks like he's wearing a christmas hat <laughs> oh yes it does i've just seen it from a yeah. cracker <laughs> and i can read the. i can nearly read the beer i don't reckon it's a pinhole because it's too sharp i can read the yeah. beer can national bohemian beer right yeah looks good yeah no it's good i like it definitely easier to tie in festive seasonal spirit with that one than it is with his second shot which is another glorious <laughs> shot um but this one is a, a nice close-up of um some headlights on a classic american car don't ask me what classic american car but it looks like so one of the um uh 19 what are you gonna say 60s kind of era car yeah and anybody here know cars yeah. better than i do yes just say it's a Chevy, and, never, and a Chevy. you'll be pleasing half the people at least. It's gorgeous. I mean, the lights are. I mean, it, you know, it looks absolutely stunning, and it definitely looks like if that car was ever to hit you, it would absolutely murder you to death and cut you to ribbons. So, very much of that <laughs> era. Um, but yeah, beautiful Christine. shot. <laughs> yeah, like Christine. Oh, is it? Yeah, Christine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christine. Yeah, Christine. Yeah, not Carrie. Right. She was the Stephen King novel. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think it looks like a beautiful car, that. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah, it looks great in black and white as well. Really nice. Yeah. Like I said, it's difficult to... Play. Very festive. Maybe that's Santa's <laughs> upmarket sleigh in Mike's part of the world. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's maybe it's not a car at all. Maybe that's the headlights for the um, sleigh. Maybe that's what it is. Lovely yeah. chrome headlights. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Matthew, do you want to take these next one? The next one from Bob Matter. Bob Matter, dear Sonny's. Attached to my two entries for round 11 of the Cheap Shots Challenge. Reduced in size to a hard drive friendly 590k each with the free 
Square Fit app I use for Instagram. I use the same camera I did for rounds 9 and 10, an Olympus Stylus Zoom DLX purchased at a charity shop for under 13 US dollars. I shot expired ultra-fine extreme 400 film from a bulk roll I purchased on eBay and hand-rolled onto recycled film cassettes in a dark bag. Not with a bulk loading machine, I home developed in Rodinal 5 to 1. 50, uh, 50, to one, was... 50 to 1. 50 to 1. 50 to 1. It's sorry. early in the morning. We know how much you're I'm going so well. I didn't, I thought, I'm doing so good. When am I going <laughs> to fudge this up? Um, my first shot was taken aboard a CTA, Chicago Transit Authority, red line train in the uptown neighborhood. I thought the lady reading her book donned in her gay apparel of a bold patterned coat, brooch, and sparkly Santa hat was the epitome of personal holiday season <laughs> festivity. I'm excited to see this now. Yeah. Um, my second shot was taken at a plaza along Michigan Avenue in Chicago between downtown and the Magnificent Mile, in inverted commas. Um, we've had an unusually small amount of snow this year uh, in Chicago. So when I came across this miniature snowman, someone scraped together from one of our poultry little snowfalls. I was delighted by its happy, childlike spirit and festive nature. Thanks again, Sunnies, for all you have done and continue to do for the film community. Happy New Year, and as always, be like Carl. Good advice, Bob always. Absolutely. Um, so, Rach, you want to describe Ooh, I this? I like it. Yes, I like it a lot too. Go on, Rach, you describe this first <laughs> one. Um, well, uh, again, another selection, of course, in black and white, which is yeah. uh, it's been really interesting to see how so many of our festive challenge, uh, Cheap Shots challenges um, have been black and white focused this year. Um, uh, all this time round. So, yeah, it's just lovely. This first shot, it's a real kind of like snapshot moment um, on uh, public transport of uh, a lady reading reading something and uh, she's all wrapped up against the cold but with a very, very festive Santa hat on, which I love. And, uh, yeah, it, it gives you a real sort of... Um, sort of frame of that moment uh on that particular public transport i really like that her contemplation as well is uh is lovely she's clearly she's wearing a very elegant jacket in it isn't she she, uh, she looks quite timeless in that picture somebody i mean yeah. if it wasn't for the other people behind who are in more modern clothing it's no man is um Say that again, sorry. I said, if it wasn't for the fact that um, her cloth- her clothing is quite timeless, uh, if it wasn't for the two people yes. behind her in modern clothes, um, you could easily look at that picture and go, oh, yeah, that was taken in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I think one of the um, the people behind her has got um, sort of like Converse shoes on or something. So obviously it's been around quite a long time. Mm, yes, <laughs> as well. absolutely, Very yeah. Good. And a bobble hat, again, quite timeless. I think you're, uh, yeah. Definitely. Tell us about the second one. What have we got on the second one? Go on then, Matthew. You can describe this because you're a king of festive. You wanted to come and say ho, ho, ho a lot on the show. <laughs> it's a very happy little snowman. He's got his <laughs> arms in the air. He's got a smile on his face. Um, and, yeah, he's excited to be alive, that snowman. Yeah, <laughs> it is a Hold very nice. Oh. There's some nice... Um, I can't tell if I think that's Christmas lights in the background, or it's just yeah, it must be Christmas lights. Yeah, um, some nice bouquet going on there, and um, it yeah, it's just a it's just a happy shot. 
you know, of a happy little snowman. Yeah, it's very cute, a very diminutive yeah. little snowman, but very happy. It is just a really cheerful yeah. shot. Um, yeah, yeah, very nice. It really reminds me framed. of. It reminds me of that the character from the new Toy Story. You know, the Sporky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's not. He's not quite right, but you know, he's gonna <laughs> give it everything he's got. Okay, this next one is from uh, Denny Atkinson, who writes and say, Hello, Sunnies. These are my first Cheap Shots Challenge photos. Woohoo! I love getting new people in things. The camera is a $15 Kodak Brownie Reflex, and the film is 127 Rerapan 400, processed in HC 110 at 68 uh, degrees for six minutes. The camera is the same model as my first camera. The one whose film I first developed 60-ish years ago. Oh, don't, wow. don't give away your age. Um, oh, well, this is show 60, so this seems to have worked quite well. Hey. Perfect, yeah. Um, when I saw the camera at a favourite camera store's going out of business sale, that's a bit sad, I knew Oof. I must have it. Sadly, its shutter wouldn't fire, so I had to buy a junker on the auction site and learn how to swap a shutter. Not hard and kind of fun. The first photograph shows Buzz Lightyear. We're just talking about Toy Story. Another <laughs> Toy Story. <laughs> and Baby Yoda, the child they called him. <laughs> Looking bedraggled and unfocused after a long season of making festive hour tree. The second is a wreath. That was kind of fun. I'm looking forward to the next challenge, which I definitely won't wait until the last minute to enter. <laughs> or I might. You should. That's how I like to do it. And that's from Denny Axenson in uh, Tonawanda, New York. New York? Mm. I'm not yes. sure if New York. Yeah, near Niagara Falls. It's, that can't be. So it can't be yeah. New York. Not that New can't York, be right. <laughs> um, what else would NY, NY be? Yeah. New York, New York's near Niagara Falls, isn't it? <laughs> My geography is not I great, so. but I'm for, okay, we're gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> NY, okay, what is it? I'm just googling N. That's never gonna work, is it? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> oh, Niagara Falls, yeah, yeah, it's in New York. Okay, Tonawanda. Anyway, that's from Denny. Thank you, Denny, wherever you may be. <laughs> okay, and this he is... Said, he just said it's in New York, man. I know, but I just... I didn't know New York... He's lying. <laughs> He's making up. He's making up stories just to annoy you. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, let's have a look at Baby Yoda. I'm excited. Okay, so yeah, this is very cool. So this looks like it's uh, a double exposure going on here, I'm going to guess. Because we've got hmm. Buzz Lightyear and Baby Yoda all rocking out on the same thing. Unless they're... Do you reckon... Embracing. Embracing. It's very cool. I mean, you know, it, it's a bit blurry, as you would hope for, from a, a quite close-up shot with a Kodak um, brownie. Um, but yes, Buzz Lightyear and Baby Yoda are still very much in there. And there's some nice twinkly lights in the background. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, it's... Um... You got the Baby Yoda is very much on point for current um, popularity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Danny's clearly on trend with this. Uh, he might be over yeah. 60, but he's very much on trend in a way that I will never be. Um, and this second one is a much more uh, simple, um, clean shot, lovely composition on this. And this is, uh, as you mentioned, a wreath. Um just mounted on a really nice brick wall. Uh, I, I just I love the simple structure of this. I love the arches of the windows, the pattern of the bricks, and this very centrally placed wreath. It's just quite satisfying to look at that one. 
very Home Alone-esque. It is a little bit. It is a little bit. What do you think, Rach? Mm. <laughs> oh, we may have lost. Uh, sorry. It's okay. It <laughs> was, um, back. No, when I am here, the, it seems to be having some a slight issue with um, uh, my Skype call today, uh, joining you two. So apologies for that. It sort of seems to be dipping in and out. So oh. if I disappear, I've not really disappeared. <laughs> I'm still here listening. Um, yes, very Home Alone-esque. Yeah, yeah, really like. Very cool. Nice, nice detail in there. So I enjoy that. Okay, Rach, just this next one from Karen Freer. I will give it my best shot. If I happen to disappear, it's not because I've just ignored you all. <laughs> <laughs> um, jump in if I sure. uh, if I've gone. <laughs> okay, so uh, Karen has written in to say, "Hello, Sunnies. Here are my submissions for the prestigious Cheap Shots Challenge." Is there a different Cheap Shots Challenge? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, as the theme was Christmas, um, I wanted to capture dead trees and torn up wrapping paper. But, I mean, what else says Christmas better than that? Um, she says, unfortunately, the photos that I took uh, of these parts of Christmas did not expose. Oh, I'm guessing they were too sad and the film couldn't contain them. <laughs> the camera I used was the Analog Wonderland Mystery Film Camera. It looked a lot like a Kodak disposable camera, but they sneakily reloaded it with an unnamed film. So I am actually not sure what the film was at all. I can confirm it is black and white, as there was a label on the canister that said black and white. Um, this I can be certain of. Photo one, I found Santa sitting outside a house in London selling Christmas trees. I think Brexit has hit him hard. I told him to stop breaking into people's houses at night. <laughs> Can you see this one? Yeah, I mean, mm. this is a dishevelled Santa, if ever there was one. Santa has hit hard times. Yeah, he, he looks rather grainy and rather sad. Um, and But yeah, he has a very fulsome beard, so he's not had to... Um, resort to shaving his beard off and selling that yet, so we're no. all good. Is, <laughs> At least he still looks like Santa. Yeah, the sort of the very dark, lo-fi nature of the picture really quite adds to the grimness of Santa in this, doesn't it? <laughs> I really yeah. like that. Definitely. Um, photo two, someone at St Peter's Hospice thought they would entice people into the shop during the festive season with nightmare snow people. I have to admit, it worked on me. I went in just to find out what other horrors were inside. I was not disappointed. Every single mannequin in that place had a creepy snow head. Every single one. <laughs> uh, I think the snow person on the left is particularly frightening to me because they are just floating there, suspended in a hypnotic snow stare. So weird. I can't wait to see what they do next year. <laughs> this is so mental. Oh, wow. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street. Not Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like, oh, uh, Nightmare before, before Christmas. Christmas. Thank you, yes. With, oh my but, god! But the tree is also like skeleton bare bones tree. This is hilarious. Yeah, that, they look like their their heads are cocked like they're hanging. Yeah, <laughs> this, this they look they look like the kind of thing which if you were <laughs> any second now Doctor Who would walk past and then those mannequins would absolutely come crashing through the window <laughs> and chase after him. Um, yeah, so these That's night that is nightmare fuel right there. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, just so, so this is looking through a shop window into, uh, <laughs> and um, the mannequins uh, have got these kind of weirdly shaped snowman heads just on them. Normal mannequin <laughs> bodies, weirdly disturbing. They're like inflatable as well. Yeah, because they're not snowman heads. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That, I have not seen that before, and I hope that Karen gets over that experience. Uh, so, you know, we're sending our wishes. 
Karen. Pants, <laughs> pants but no legs. Yeah, very bizarre. Um, she also says, if you can figure out what film this is, please let me know. I'm Karen. Yeah. Wow. Definitely black and white. Yeah, I think Paul may have announced that. If you check out the Instagram feed now, I think Paul may have actually, actually announced that. We meant to ask him when Paul was on the show, um, uh, but we ran out of time. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things is true. Or maybe even both of them, actually. So, um, oh, I think came he came to pressure. Like, yeah, but I think he has it. Yeah, I think he has announced it now. So I ought to have looked that up, really. But, you know, who has the time? Who has the time? Okay, do you want to take this next one, Matthew, from George G, who are made last week or two weeks ago now george g hi graham rachel and aid no matthew um <clears throat> excuse me it was a good it was good to meet up with two thirds of the sunnies last thursday and despite the rain it was an enjoyable walk around soho uh dropping my images for the cheap shots challenge the first was taken at winter wonderland in london of the chair o plane uh yes that is its real name. It was shot in my Canon 500N and a shutter of around half to one second on Lomography 800 pushed to 3200. People, the people look like the Dementors from the Harry <laughs> Potter film. Oh, here we go. What's, what's with all the like scary Christmas? Oh, what? Like, That's this, awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is great. <laughs> this is a colour picture. It's quite nice to see some colour. Oh, my God. My uh, eyes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, we're looking at sort of one of these beautifully lit up um, fairground rides that spin round and round with the seats on chains um, going round. And um, as George said, because it's blurred out, the people do look like they are dementors flying around and around this thing. Swarming. Yeah, swarming around the central port. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah. As you said, we're getting a real kind of theme with a lot of these pictures between Hobo Santa and... Um, <laughs> there's... It's, it says a lot about well, our listeners, you, I think. Yeah, wait till you scroll down to the next one. Read the next little <laughs> okay, bit Okay, go on, us. Matthew. Carry oh. us on, please. All right. Oh. The second one was taken after Christmas, and it seems as though the householders had finally had enough of Christmas <laughs> and couldn't be bothered to be festive anymore. Again, shot on Lomography 800, pushed to 3200. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. They're deflated. It's one of those inflate. Well, it's two of those inflatable kind of like yeah. figures, isn't it? Christmas figures. So we've got a Santa. I think it must be a Santa. It's quite difficult to tell. It you know, it looks very squashed. Um, and I'm a snowman. Quite, I'm quite familiar with this feeling. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but the air has been let all out of both both of our inflatable festive um, figures, and um, they've crumpled to the ground next to the dustbins. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's particularly particularly tragic. Look, I have to say, I'm enjoying this Lomo 800 at um, ISO 3200. That looks nice. I mean, obviously, we're only mm -hmm. looking at these fairly small on here at the moment, but um, I do like that. They look pretty good. Uh, and. Do you, call, yeah. do you guys call those bins dustbins? Wheelie yeah. bins. Or wheelie bins. Wheelie bins. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Good. In Liverpool, Thank we you. have uh, purple ones. Well, oh. well, you would, wouldn't you? Have to go and be yeah. a bit fancier. They make like little pen, mini pen pots um, in the shape of purple. our purple wheelie bins. We're very excited about our purple wheelie bins in Liverpool. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you have to take what you can get, I guess. Okay, uh, this last one, I think the last Cheap Shots Challenge entry, I think, yes it is, is from Ben Reynolds, who writes oh. in to say, 
Ahoy, <laughs> Sun Beamatrons. Is it too late for the Cheap Shots Challenge? Not for you, Ben, but for anybody listening now, yes, Rato. Um, I just processed the role I... Yeah, including you, Matthew. I just <laughs> shot, just processed the role I shot on a stroll across Edinburgh on the evening of the 12th of December with my trusty Holger and a roll of Fuji 64T slide film. A pretty depressing evening all in all, <laughs> but these were a nice thing to come out of it. Oh, good. I wouldn't trust it as far as I could throw it. The shutter misses. Oh, this is regarding his um, uh, Holger. <laughs> Sorry, the trusty with the star. <laughs> this is always, I wouldn't trust it as far as I could throw it. The shutter misses all the time, so I shoot it at night mostly so I can use bulb. Well, I mean, he's finding a way around it. The picture makes it well worth using, though. <laughs> the first photo is me following a guy down Prince's Street oh, with all the Christmas lights. So I think they might be mixed up. The two, the the okay. They're not in the right yeah. order for the picture. So the stalking one is is one later on. Okay. I, I think it must be yeah. Stalking. Um, well, the, he says he's following a guy. Yeah, following well, a guy down Prince's yeah. Street. You upgraded it. <laughs> yeah. Stalking. He's been upgraded from following to stalking with all the Christmas lights. I meted the scene at quarter of a second, so shot 25 shots at one one hundredth per shot. The guy is almost invisible, and I look like a total weirdo following him go. down the pavement. <laughs> but the result is quite nice, I reckon. Um, so okay. let's have a look at that first one. All right. I retract Ooh. my previous comment, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really like this shot. So we've got some great, um, very higgledy-piggledy light trails going on, really blurry, scribbly light trails, um, and also some fantastic light colour on the left-hand side from the signs there. Um, but it has a really, the whole thing has a really nice softness to it as well as the colour. And there is just this hint of a shadow in the centre of the person that Ben was stalking. Presumably to murder later on in the evening. <laughs> well, I was about to say, the last photo of this person. The last alive. photo of this person, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I really like that. Really like Lovely that. Stuff. Very pretty. Okay. Uh, okay, go on. Yeah. The second shot is a long exposure of the Starflyer Cheroplanes. More Cheroplanes! More Cheroplanes! <laughs> what? Uh, That's so funny. Um, at the Christmas market, with the Scott Monument to the right and a bus passing in front. As you can see, I've blown the highlights a little, and the colour <laughs> shift is quite silly on the 64T on long exposures. Um, I think this is spectacular. I mean, it, it just is so cool. It, yeah, it looks like a poster from Blade Runner. Um, yeah, mm. lots of intense blue colour and light and pinks, and yeah, it's just it's just really great, really colourful. Um, you wouldn't know what on earth you were looking at unless somebody had written it down. Um, so that's really cool. Really cool. We will get all of these pictures and all the previous ones will be up, um, hopefully on the web because Matthew's on here. He's more likely to make sure I do it this time um, up on the <laughs> website. So if you if you've been listening to this in previous weeks, um, we will put all the pictures up there. If you go to the uh, Cheap Shots Challenge area, you'll find all of them on there now that they're all in and done. So um, go and see these because there's been a lot of cracking shots mm. and if you <laughs> uh, a real slice of life of people's Christmases. Um, Anyway, we're going to do, do the sunnies first, though, aren't we, Graham? Oh, we're going to yeah, get it all sorted. Don't worry. All, all at the same yeah. time, <laughs> he says, passing it all on to Matthew. If you want yeah. to see all the shots from the roll, they are on my Flickr, uh, which is B-N-R-Y-N-L-D-S. Uh, and the Twitter's at Captain Badbeard. If I'm not too late, many thanks for your consideration. Looking forward to the sunnies. Yours from Ben. Um, I know that Ben is in conjunction with Fraser Yule organising a photo walk up in Edinburgh um, 
and I had it in front of me. I haven't got it now. I'll try 25th, and find it. 25th I think, of April. 25th of April. There you go. So if you're up in that part of the world, or if you just want an excuse to go up to that part of the world, um, is it on photowalk.me, Rach? I believe so. So there you go. Go there and find that. We'll try and find that before we get to the end of the show anyway. Um, but yes, thank you very much. All those entries, uh, a, a good mixture of stuff. And as you said, Rach, um, a surprising amount of black and white. I really mm. thought it would all be colour stuff for Christmas, but I quite like the slightly, I'm not going to say sad Christmas that we've had depicted for us, but a st- st- um, <laughs> disturbing Christmas. It's like disturbing <laughs> Christmas. Disturbing better than sad. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Alternative. Alternative oh, Christmas. That's the word. Thank you, Matthew. Alternative Christmas. You're yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, really great stuff, everyone. Um, uh, I suppose now is a good time to mention that uh, we have got a judge organised for <laughs> the Cheap <laughs> Shots Challenge. So it's not going to be for a couple of weeks, maybe two, maybe three weeks before we do the judging of it, because um, we've got stuff to organize by which i mean i've got to get my pictures developed um but i'm very santa it's almost santa so the person oh. we have got i'm gonna make sure i get this right because i'm terrible the person that we have got coming to judge he's got quite a lot of expertise in this area actually because the ter- person is adam james who people will know from twitter as at silent car who is oh. yeah um so adam is the instigator the runner the mastermind behind the shitty camera challenge on twitter um whereby people get hold of <laughs> terrible cameras not necessarily just cheap cameras but crap cameras really crap cameras the crapper the better and share their pictures and this is a competition um and a kind of a, an institution that he's built up on twitter over the last year and a bit i think it is um so does it also include your scammers graham I mean, you're, yeah, you're it, much beloved. It, it, it <laughs> certainly would include anything like that. I, I think, yeah, any piece of junk like that. I think the last, the camera I was intending to use for it was my um, Fisher Price camera because that's that's pretty terrible. Um, but it's great. Shitty. You see, um, you see lots of people sharing the cameras that they found, and you get to see some really terrible cameras out there. So. That's really good. Really looking forward to having him on the show to talk about the shitty camera challenge and, of course, get him to judge with his expert eye uh, all of these pictures. So look forward to that. That's going to be really good. Um, okay. Can, sure. I, can I bring up uh, something we were just talking about? Uh, you can bring up something we were just talking Flickr. about. Flickr. Flickr. They've, recent, they've recently uh, put their prices up again. Yeah. As... As pointed out by um, uh, Mr. Crazy Fruit Bat recently, I saw on Twitter. I saw the uh, the price list that they sent him. Uh, yeah, one year for seventy one dollars and eighty eight cents. That's a lot. That's this that's strange. A lot. The the the, uh, the strange thing is that's more than it costs to use Smug Mug for a year if you want to put your pictures mm. on Smug Mug. Now, obviously, with yeah. Flickr, you've got there's a community there. It's Flickr and SmugMug are not the same, but mm. if you are somebody who's just using Flickr as somewhere to just throw all your photos up without having to worry about it, SmugMug is cheaper for the basic um, basic package on SmugMug, which is what I use. Mm. Um, that's I think it's I really check. I just pay every year, um, but that's under fifty pounds. I'm sure of that, uh, and you can make quite it's a, a lot. lot of, it's a lot of money. Or, uh, yeah, or on its 
something that's on its way out. I uh, unfortunately have to have to admit to that. It's difficult because it feels like the the big uh, the big plus that Flickr has um, that other sites don't have is the community side of things and the fact that you can you know, build these groups and have conversations and threads and all that stuff. Um, but they rely on people and energy and life going on there and um as the price rises gradually edge more and more people away from it that side just dies on the vine um yeah it's a shame but uh i think some people are sticking with Flickr. some people are but yeah i don't Mm. know at the moment it it doesn't feel like they are focusing on i don't know what do i know about any of this nothing but it's a bummer to see more and more people going yeah i think i'm done yeah yeah well, look, oh. the Twitter the Twitter community more than makes up for it. Um, yeah, the believe yeah. the believe in filmers and the shoot film be nicers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate for me that I'm across the other side of the world from all of the cool things that are currently happening. <laughs> it it is a bit, it is a bit, you need to organise a photo walk <laughs> yourself, Matthew. Yeah, I've tried. It, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, not for a while. You need to... Yeah, uh, mm, mm, mm. yeah. We've tried, tried to do that, but um, red velvet cake. Much... That's the answer. Yeah, there you go. Red, red velvet, velvet cake. cake. Okay, all right. Gonna give out some cake. That'll yeah. bring people. All right. Well, let's move on from that. We've got some other emails. Um, we got some more. So a couple of weeks ago, we had an email from Dunstan Vavasor talking about two bar fixes. Um, and since then, we and I said, has anybody else ever done this? Um, so we've had some emails following up on this. The first one is from uh, previous uh, cheap shots entrant, uh, Denny Atkinson. Rach, do you want to take this one? Absolutely. So Dennis has written in uh, to say, dear Sonny's. I've never come across a recommendation for a two-bath fixer procedure for film, but when I ran a ProLab 30-ish years ago, Kodak recommended a two-bath process for paper, and we always did that. Here's a good description of the process, but many of the old Kodak uh, darkroom guides include included similar recommendations. So he's given us a, a link there to check that out. Yeah, so just... It says... <clears throat> sorry, go on. Oh, no, sorry. Carry on. Um, yeah, that, that was... Carry on reading it, Rach, because I think it, it explains pretty much what it says in there anyway, so... Okay. Um, The time-honoured method for fixing paper established by Kodak is the two-bath method. In the the two-bath method, two fresh fixing baths are placed side by side. Paper is immersed in the first bath for a predetermined time, drained, and moved to the second bath for the same amount of time. If the first bath is fresh, the paper is completely fixed and only trace amounts of fixing byproducts are carried into the second bath. There, the action of fresh fixer breaks down any residual byproducts, which are easily removed during washing. As the first fixer begins to age, increasing amounts of byproduct are carried over to the second bath and they're eliminated. The final step is the changing of the baths. After the first first bath is exhausted, which is determined by one of the methods described in determining fixer capacity below, um, it is discarded and the second bath becomes the first. A fresh bath is mixed to replace the second. According to Kodak, after the third rotation, both baths should be discarded and two fresh baths made. Agitation with this method should be at least 30 seconds every minute. There we go. So that's from Denny Atkinson, who used to own an E6 Kodak Q-Lab in Buffalo, NY, which we'll also assume is New York. (laughs) Everywhere's Um, in New York. Yeah. Uh, P.S. I neglected to uh, attribute the um, attribute the information from the link I sent earlier. It is from the Darkroom Cookbook by Steve Anchel. Oh, I actually sent that out as a my um, 
Immersive Secret Santa this year. Um, it's an excellent resource for anyone serious about darkroom work, which is absolutely true. Thank you very much, Denny. Yes, thank you. Mm. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I read the link, and um, we've got another one sort of following up with this um, from Dave Walker, uh, and also got sent um, a message on Instagram by um, uh, Philip Lenrick, who sent me another link from a book saying, you know, this is the way you do this. It does seem to be something that um, was quite commonplace for paper more so than mm. film. Um, so in that link that uh, Danny sent, it, it says in there about, oh, you know, this is the way that Kodak recommended for doing it. And then it proceeds to say that Ilford ha Ilford's recommendations were just do it the way that uh, I do it. I think you do as well, Rach, where you mm. put it in the fixer for 60 seconds and then yeah. take it out and wash it straight away. And that's the way that they recommended. Um, but anyway, um, do you want to take this next one, Matthew, from um, uh, actually... Because um, the, the email from Dave Walker just says quickly, Greetings, light beams. In reference <laughs> to the two-bath fixing method mentioned in a recent show, this is actually mentioned in the Ilford Rapid Fix data sheet. So I won't read everything it says on there because it's just repeating exactly <laughs> what Rachel's just said. Um, but again, I think this is more for paper rather than film. Not that I imagine there's anything wrong with doing it for film. It just um, generally doesn't seem to be... Um, necessary perhaps is the word um, but yeah it does say in this thing yeah. that um, for paper or for film uh, very cool I like the way that actually well um, I, I saw Dave's um, email here and I thought oh god it's another bloody poem <laughs> because the way that it's been formatted it makes it look like a poem <laughs> I thought it was, was as like, well did you excellent I thought it wasn't just me going a bit mad yeah. Um, right. but yeah I was like don't Thanks. ask me to read another poem no oh god <laughs> An extremely efficient method of fixing film or paper is to use the two-bath fixing technique. Matthew, <laughs> if, if I can reassure you of one thing, I'm never, never going to let you read any poetry on here. <laughs> <laughs> I try and find you, you emails with single-syllable words, words wherever possible. Um, Thank you. But, yeah, that's that's really interesting, that the whole two-bath fixer thing. Um, I don't think, from, from what I've read... I don't think it's a change that I'm going to make to my workflow. Um, certainly not with negatives, but mm. even with paper where there seems to be more of a, a case for doing so, um, I don't have the space for doing it and I don't have the organisation for monitoring the vast in that way. So I think I'm going to stick with the, um, the sort of the, the Ilford method of in for 60 seconds, out and then straight into a wash uh, to clear stuff off. The Jago method. The yeah. Jago method, the half arse method. Um, there was a quick follow-up email from Dave Walker, which is um, titled <laughs> Phantom Podcast. You know... I could have sworn I listened to a podcast today with no number featuring Paul Whoa. and Andy, but it's vanished. Maybe I'm just losing my mind. It's definite possibility. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, <laughs> we had some issues last week. So, as we mentioned <laughs> on Backing Paper last week, um, we hoped to have an interim show. And we did have an interim show between Backing Paper and the Sunnies Awards, that, uh, which happened uh, and actually went out on Friday. Um, and that interim show was a conversation with Paul Mackay of Analog Wonderland and Andy Church of Coda Colaris, in which we talked about um, Ectochrome in 120 and the price rises and some more details on the photography show coming up and a new competition they're running. Um, and that was all great. 
and then we put the podcast up on Thursday uh, and then realised that we'd left, I think there was about a minute of dead air right at the beginning. So the music played and then there was a minute of dead air. Now, I don't want to blame anybody for that, but it was definitely AIDS' fault, 100% AIDS' fault, not my fault. Um, so anyway, we ripped it down, fixed it and shoved it back up again. Um, but then we got the news um, that that show we put up was only two minutes. And so at that point... <laughs> Uh, we went, uh-oh, and I, I'd already gone to it, but then, so we deleted the whole thing and went, well, I'll try again later. Now, turns out, regrettably, that the yeah. show wasn't only two minutes long. It was just that the person who had reported that fault had a, a it problem. Was me. Yeah, I don't blame me. anybody. It was, it was entirely Rachel's fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, basically, I saw the fact that we had some a random minute of dead air and was like, oh, there's something gone a bit wrong with this, guys. Maybe it needs, yeah, looking at. Um, and then when I went and checked that it had obviously been put back up having been uh, sorted out by by Graham, um, I realised that, um, well, I say I realised, for whatever reason, my, um, uh, the sort of like app that I listened to the podcast through uh, showed it as being two minutes and 19 seconds, um, of which I took a screenshot photo to prove that that was what it was showing and sent it over to Graham was like for some reason this is now what we're seeing it looks like it's going to be two uh two and a bit minutes and it just randomly cut off in the middle of aid talking so um trying to be you know good podcast co-host I thought I'll send that over so that it doesn't disappoint everybody uh and so that we can take it down and, and make a, an adjustment but unfortunately obviously Graham had had to go to work by this point so uh couldn't actually do anything to it with it and turns out that that wasn't the case anyway <laughs> and that apparently it had been fixed and it was all fine and so it was my fault so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway long and short of it is i deleted it off again because i couldn't check at the time um and so it hasn't been up and then of course we had the sunnies go up so it's okay so what we are going my to giggling do giggling and that was troublesome as well apparently so i'm gonna i'm i'm you know committing to giggling less <laughs> In 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Your giggling was definitely not the problem with that, Rachel. Your giggling is always <laughs> fabulous. Um, so what we are going to do, if you missed this show, which is distinctly possible, you may well have just not downloaded it at the right time and missed it completely. Um, if you did miss that show, we are going to stick that on the end of this one. I would say on the end, it's probably longer than this backing paper is going to be. It is a um, sort of full one hour and a bit plus of conversation with Andy and with Paul um, and there's some really interesting stuff in there if you enjoy that kind of conversation about what's going on in the industry etc etc well worth a listen um, but we're going to put that out on the end of this show so if you have already listened to it then um, just once you get to the end of backing paper you can delete the rest of the show off um, but that's where the conversation with Andy Church from Coda Alaris and Paul Mackay and Aid and myself is oh and hopefully that's the end of that saga and also all the information on their competition because they are currently running um as i said a competition for pushing kodak t-max films uh it's called think outside the box speed um as opposed to push it real good which it definitely should have been called um or <laughs> when push comes to shove or <laughs> so many any number any number <laughs> don't push me now that would probably have been a negative thing um it's going on for i think it will be three weeks after this because they did push the um, date back a bit on that so and i'm already seeing some entries for it pop up on socials uh, and they're looking great so um fun competition go to analog wonderland as always for all the deets on that stuff okay and dave you're not going mad it's all okay
Well, now like come you. on. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just because this particular thing is not an indicator that Dave is going mad, I think it's a bold claim for us to say that he's he's got two young children. He might be going mad. <laughs> um, do you want to take this last one, Matthew, from Dale Willits, our good friend Dale Willits? Okay. Uh, greetings, sunny screamers. There you go. Skipping <laughs> um, <laughs> was the same. Uh, in the past, you've talked about these those miscreants who improve old cameras by making them into lamps and such well i ran across this monstrosity on evil bay (laughs) omg i don't have sufficient vocabulary to deride it enough and the price uh if looking at it doesn't make you want to cry the price will (laughs) and there's a there's an ebay link and okay i'm gonna have to look at this Oh. Do I want to look at this? Oh, Should yeah. I look at this? Oh. Yeah, definitely. I think he's related to the snowman. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. What? Steampunk Ensign Full View Camera Robot Light Recycled <laughs> Upcycled for £100. <laughs> it's so crap. <laughs> oh, oh no. It's got like little feet and everything. It's they've they've added Oh my goodness. He's definitely got he's definitely got whatever Sporky's uh, got wrong with him. <laughs> yes. Well there's there's also a buy it now button or a make an offer button. <laughs> it doesn't say what oh, yeah. Make an offer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 50p so um, I mean we'll, we'll, I'll put the link of the eBay listening in in case somebody wants this but what we're looking at here so and the Ensign Fullview a camera beloved by Rachel myself and many yeah. others um, is the core of this robot and then it's had two kind of springy robot legs I guess with big black feet glued onto the bottom of it uh, two bits of wooden uh, wooden something or other from a piece of furniture glued onto the sides of it and a wooden knobby thing that looks vaguely like a wooden hat glued onto the top of it and uh it looks like a toilet flush handle or something glued onto the side um to make a very convincing steampunk robot i mean it looks pretty crap i think it's fair to say isn't it this is not a piece of crafted work here we're looking at is it no, this wasn't the way. This wasn't the way we wanted to end the show, really. But there you go. <laughs> um, I, I, have you got the last uh, the last sentence there as well, um, Matthew? Do you want to read that oh, yeah. from Dale? Uh, still, at least now you've seen this, and I've had the pleasure of ruining your day as much as seeing this in the first place ruined mine. Ta-ta for now, <laughs> Dale Willits. That, I think it's fair that, to say it did ruin my day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, ruined my Sunday evening. <laughs> it's the it's the hundred pounds for it, which is the most spectacular thing. I mean, you you sometimes see things like this, and people have gone to some trouble to do something with something they've reclaimed. But this is just rubbish. I mean, it's it is a camera with rubbish glued to it in a pretty terrible way. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this. This camera made me stop and think for a second about the idea of defunct cameras and what to do with them. Um, and there are some defunct cameras which could have a new life, uh, you know, and, and should be sent off to people who can repair and make use of them, like the camera rescue guys. You know, get mm-hmm. cameras to them so that they can be repaired and sent back out. And there are obviously other cameras which 
it's just not worth it. They're they're old, they're super knackered, and they're not that good. You know, and maybe with those, maybe with those cameras that really have nothing more to offer in terms of being able to be used, maybe upcycling those is all right. I think if, <laughs> but we need some way of having like a, a, a certificate of death being issued for them so we can all be comfortable. Uh, so yeah. we don't want a certificate of authenticity. We want a certificate saying this camera has been certified dead before the operation mm. was performed on it. Um, yeah. Can I um, can I just quickly recommend that everyone have a look at the see other items from this seller as well? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, there, more are treats. Some, there are some delights in there uh artist posable hand wall sconce with edison globe light bulb um that's a that's a delight uh what have we got here hand carved hazel walking stick with carved pool ball topper <laughs> um everything just looks a little bit too creepy yeah it's, um, it's a one-stop shop for creepy ebay goodness yeah. Whimsical house, fairy, whimsical house, fairy house, nightlight. That's not a nightlight. That's a nightmare light. <laughs> um, uh, but the thing that I quite liked about the photos of the, the camera that's been um, abused, abused, yeah, uh, the, the little demonic belt buckle or whatever it is underneath in the photo. Like, that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. like what? What? I want to see this person. I want to see where this person lives. I no. want to see their house. No, I, I think I'm good not knowing that. I think I'm good not knowing well, that. I think, I think the people who see it, that's the last thing they see by the look of it. <laughs> that little robot smiling face. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you so much, Dale, for that treat, which I, I hope our listeners uh, enjoy as much as we do. And um, obviously all rush to stick your hands in your pockets and pay the, the £100 for this beautiful thing. Um, before we move on to coffee donations, uh, there's a few bits we need to remind you all of and let you know about um, because of the stuff going on in the early part of this month. Uh, upcoming soonest is the photo walks uh, that both Aid and I individually separately are running, <laughs> although they are both on the same day, but it's perhaps not the best organising. But um, <laughs> So on February the 8th, um, Aid is doing a early morning on the beach um, sunrise photo shoot at Worthing, somewhere or other, Worthing Beach Pier. Yeah. Worthing Pier. Um, starting at 7 was it seven o'clock? It was seven. Seven a.m. Yeah. Seven a.m. Right. There, there you go, folks. Who knew? There's a seven o'clock in the morning as well. <laughs> um, so that's happening, and then a later meetup at eleven o'clock for people. Was it eleven or ten? Anyway, go to photo. It's eleven. Eleven yep. for people who uh, are more sensible. Uh, luckily, those people who are more sensible will know that the place they really want to be on the 8th of February is in Oxford with me and many of our friends because um, we're going to have a real fun I get to do a much bigger sell of ours don't get to age it stinks um, I'm sure it'll be lovely oh and also if you go to age you get to see Annal as well and Annal's lovely um, but yes 8th of February in Oxford it's going to be great we've got quite a few people already signed up um, We've got uh, Simon Forster from the Classic Lenses podcast is coming down to join us. Um, Cara Freer is going to be there, who we talked about earlier with her terrifying, <laughs> terrifying photos of uh, um, 
hideous uh, snowball-headed dummies. Um, Fraser, yours going to be there. Jeremy's going to be there. Uh, NASA, obviously, is helping me um, organise this. I had a conversation with the other day. So our kind of broad plan is that we're going to meet up at 11 o'clock and then spend the first part of the day going around the more historical, touristy, beautiful, dreaming spires part of Oxford where the Bridge of Sizes and the Sheldonian Theatre and the Radcliffe Camera and all of that good stuff. Um, then have some lunch and, and then in the afternoon go off and explore some of the, the outer reaches, maybe down by the canal or around Jericho or something like that. And, it, you know, even better than that. If it pours down with rain, we've even got a backup plan because there's loads of stuff to do in Oxford, even if it's raining because we've got the Natural History Museum and we've got the Covered Market and we've got um, the Ashmolean Museum. So even if it's raining, it's still going to be a good time. Also, I'll bring stickers. I might remember to bring stickers. Um, but yeah, it's going <laughs> to be... Bright. You're bribing people now. Yeah, yeah, I'm not below bribing people. Um, I don't know why I'm bribing them. I mean, there's nothing in it for me. But it's going to be really good fun. Um, I said I'm really looking forward to seeing the people who have already said they're going to come. And if you're listening and you think you can make it, then come along too. It'd be a good time. Um, photo walks are kind of, depending on your point of view, 50% taking pictures, 50% chatting. For me, they're much more like 90% chatting, 10% taking pictures, but um, whatever you want to do. And we'll just kind of amble slowly around, get to cool places, hang about, take some pictures, and then move on again. Uh, it'll be good fun. Um, so, yes, really it's looking forward to it. to do both photo walks? Uh, I think it would be a real stretch. The two places not okay. close together. Um, but, I mean, you know, if okay. you want to be at AIDS for 7 o'clock in the morning and then come to mine, that seems insane. But, sure, you can do that. That seems like a plan. Okay. You could do that. Right. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to, to seeing people then. Uh, the other thing is, of course, the photography show, which is getting closer by the day. Um, we've talked about it a lot over the last few weeks, but I just want to remind people that from the... Oh, what's the date's range? <laughs> 14th to the 17th. 14th to the 17th. Actually, Rach, you can talk a bit about this because I've just been waffling on. Oh, I, heck, I haven't got any information up yet. That's right. I haven't got any information <laughs> in front of me either. Well, who, um, who can people well, look forward to seeing there? Just a selection of wonderful people who they can look forward to seeing there. Oh, um, lot, lots all of all of you listeners, of course. Um, yeah, um, hopefully we'll, we'll be uh, coming along. And in terms of people who will be um, running stalls and things and um, uh, discussing their wares, I suppose, uh, we've got obviously Sam from SolarCam. We've got um, Stephen from Cosmo Photo. Of, of course, we'll have lovely Hamish um, with his Pixelator, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, a whole, whole bunch of lovely people will be there and... Um, with this year, it's going to also be an analog zone or an analog area, um, a spotlight on um, all things uh, non-digital, I guess you may say, um, which will be really lovely to have a way of kind of seeing everybody in one area and then you can kind of go off and do your own thing around the rest of the show, but come back to uh, to see, um, see people who are working in our uh, analog industry, really. Yeah. So, yeah, um, there's going to be loads of um, extra kind of like talks and and things as well happening um and uh, obviously people like ilford will be there as well and yeah it's all very exciting stuff um plans are still being put into place uh, with that and obviously uh, some people might be arriving on the friday and then the actual show itself is a saturday sunday monday and tuesday um so yeah 
um all very exciting and looking forward to it and as you mentioned last week uh graham um you've been having conversations with them as well from a sunny 16 podcast perspective and it's been confirmed that we will be doing a live podcast as yes well. Yay. yeah i'm really looking forward to slash dreading that um but yes we will be doing <laughs> so um whilst there will be loads of fantastic analog stuff to see there with all these great people there every day that the show is open the day that we're kind of focusing on for us as the kind of the community day so if you want to kind of go and meet up with the maximum number of people from our community it's going to be the saturday um that's the, that's just because we we needed to pick a day to aim for so saturday is the main day we're going for um and we will be there pretty much all day um you know, Rach may well be doing stuff uh, roundabout, but you know we'll be centrally based there, so we'll be meeting people and chatting, and it'd be great. Uh, and then once the show floor has officially closed, um, we will be <laughs> we will be at that. And as I said on the show the other day, it seems weird that they're waiting for the show to close and they want to leave before they're letting us do this. But nonetheless, <laughs> that's what's happening. The show is closing for business on the Saturday night, and then we are going to have our first ever live podcast uh, in front of a hopefully not baying crowd of people hungry for our blood um so that should be great come to the first ever sunny 16 live podcast just just to see what mm. as much as anything it's gonna <laughs> you, you want to see how badly that could possibly go um but yeah really um, looking. we've forward. actually got a stage as well now haven't we they've um they've given us some details i think uh well we know that it's it's gonna be on the behind the lens stage that's the there details we, yeah. we know nothing more about it than other than its name but that's some between details. five and seven p.m Yes, between 5 and 7 p.m. And we may well, after we've done that, um, uh, we may well go on to uh, one of the bars on site to go and carry on chatting and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it should be really good fun. I was chatting to Matt Parry from Ilford last week. um, And as Rach said, they're going to have a stand there. Um, I think they're going to be doing some demonstrations on their stand as well. So that might be fun, might not it, Rach? Yeah, yeah, very exciting. I yeah. love, can't wait to see who they get to do stuff on this. That's all very cool. <laughs> um, and there are more and more people being confirmed as coming. It feels like almost every week. So Matt was saying that um, the guys from Negative Supplies who uh, kickstarted very successfully and then got out so quickly the um, their film scanning machine, uh, not film scanning machine, their film the, the machine to aid with film. Sc- digitizing god that's not they probably describe it far better than i just did um, but they'll be there um and yeah we already mentioned about the fact that yuho will be there from um camera rescue uh, and like i said i think we're going to see more and more people still booking in as the days go on um it's going to be really good there's going to be a lot to see in a way that there just hasn't been for an awfully long time so if you can come along it would be great to see you um there'll be stickers <laughs> <laughs> this weekend this and smiling faces stickers and smiling faces and stickers if you ca- and smiling faces and and if you can't make it for some reason you can't make it on the saturday um there will as it i said we're doing a live podcast yay <laughs> <laughs> um as i said there will still be so much to come and see on all the other days as well um yep. But yeah, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really good time. Um, It was great fun last year, and this year is just going to blow the doors off that, I think. So um, hopefully see an awful lot of people there from all around the world as well. Um, You know, I know that uh, Bill Bill Manning from um, the Studio C41 um, uh, one-hour photo podcast, he's coming over, so... You know, there's there's gonna be some damn Yankees over there, kind of coming over, invading. <laughs> so uh, it's gonna be great. Um, revenge, 
I guess. So I think that's it for stuff to remind you. Well, we've got all the cheap shot stuff done. We've got photo watch done and we've got uh, the photography show done. Are you coming over for photography show, Matthew? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> you could have. Yeah, that's a shame. I know you kind of hoped you might be able to, but never mind. Yeah, Maybe was next gonna, year. Was, it was, it was, you know, I was thinking about it. Yeah. But thing, circumstances changed. So. Yeah. Maybe next year. Maybe. Well... That, of course, leads us on to everyone's favourite. Sorry. Nearly. No. So nearly, Rachel. So <laughs> nope. nearly. Uh, We've got the, people to insult. Not in... <laughs> that's not what we do here. We thank them in our own very special way. I think um, you're deluding yourself. Oh, OK, right. In our own special way. <laughs> yeah, in our own special way. Um, and these are, of course, the wonderful people who donate to us on coffee. So um, we've got a few new donors to thank this week, which is always exciting. Um, yeah. So the uh, first new donor this week, and we heard from actually last week, is Henry from the Tales from the Magic Box podcast. Uh, you can find... Um, Henry at, on Instagram at Tales from the Magic Box, and also his podcast is on the Anchor app. And I think with Anchor stuff, if you search on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now, it comes up on there as well, doesn't it? So um, I have I'm still very much catching up. I've been listening to podcasts from Christmas today because I'm so far behind after my um. <laughs> so I've still got catching up to, do, but I will absolutely be listening to that because I've heard some very good things about that podcast. So I'll be listening to that. Uh, we had an anonymous donation. Ooh. Obviously, I know Ooh. who it is, but thank That's you. Very much anonymous, though, and it is very much appreciated. Uh, and lastly, we had a new dom, <laughs> new do- domination, uh, new donation this week from Dominique. Um, and as we always like to do wherever possible with new donors, we hunt them down. So Matthew, you you actually hunted down Dominique for us, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I did. Yep. So where, <laughs> also sounds very sinister. <laughs> so where where can because I think Dominique is absolutely worth people checking out her photography. So where can people find Dominique? Uh, ds.belanger on Instagram. Yeah, and she's got a lovely collection of colour and black and white photos. And they're just oh. they're just really nice pictures of life going on, really mm-hmm. beautiful pictures of life being lived. Um, and I recommend listeners, when they go to visit her um, feed, one, scroll down, because there's just loads. Of, I'm really loving some of the low-light pictures she's got. She's got couple of really nice low light shots um, yeah. which I'm really enjoying and the gingerbread and, and the gingerbread house and the gingerbread house which is <laughs> it's a lovely picture of a slightly terrifying an, gingerbread house um, I'm going to just it's, read. An a, it's, an, it's an A-frame it's an A-frame house and it's um, there's a lot going on it looks delicious uh, I love I love she says we have a ginger house building tradition we build the gingerbread house and decorate it Except I buy extra candy and make more frosting. It usually ends in a house-like shape, but we add more candy and sugar than anyone should really consume within their lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hashtag diabetes. (laughs) It's pretty spectacular. My teeth are actually rotting just looking at this this. This slightly uh, um, melted. Uh, it, it puts. I know you. You are a fan of this show, Rich. It, it looks like a nailed it gingerbread house. Oh, oh I'm so excited to see it now. <laughs> I, I, I can't actually see it at the moment, but I will definitely be checking out uh, Dominique's mighty gingerbread house. That sounds brilliant. Yes, uh, very exciting. So thank you. Thank you very so much for the uh, yeah guys. donations. 
but of course, we also have our regular donors to thank. Let me just get get, get the uh, researchers' notes. Um, we must be getting towards it, getting towards the end of this month. So this is the end of finding out what people's New Year's resolutions and plans for the year are. So this is exciting, isn't it? Last last few more of the year. So. <clears throat> Right then, <clears throat> Rach. Who have we got to thank? Uh, and today, you just you're gonna have to self-edit my spelling mistakes because I know you tend to like to read those. I just make me feel like a buffoon. Um, uh, who are we saying thank you to this week? Uh, it's on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff Greenstein. Uh, Jeff is going to learn a new dance every week. Starting with Jazzy January and moving on through Funky Freb and Merengue March and, of course, Acid House Rave April, he intends to cover <laughs> all the styles over the 12-month period, finishing, of course, with Dubstep December. Oh, I love it. That sounds Um Andy D. Uh, he has pledged to do the Sound of Music Challenge in 2020. Have you guys heard of that? No. No. Okay. Well, this oh. is the, this entails climbing every mountain and fording every stream in your local area. <laughs> um, fortunately, Andy lives probably. I mean, you might not, but he lives somewhere in East Anglia where it's very flat there. So you know the mountain part should be easy. Uh, and he's planning on following every rainbow before he gets to the sort of more pesky fording every stream part. Fantastic, Matthew. Do you Maria, want to do the next Google? <clears throat> Maria, what is it you can't face? <laughs> What's that? You might want to edit that out. I didn't even hear what you said. It's probably just he's talking Maria. about Maria. Yeah. You know Maria in the movie. The yes. the nun says, "Maria, what yes. is it you can't face?" I listened to um. This is a actually. You know what? Listen. Never mind. Move on. Who's the next person we're saying thank you to? Because <laughs> I just remembered I'd have to edit this. But I just heard about a Robert Browning poem talking about nuns. Um, which is very funny. Google Robert Browning nun poem. <laughs> it's worth it. Krista um, uh, Brandt. Krista uh, Brandt is going to create an international uh, international database of cows' names this year. Sorry, I got a bit confused. <laughs> before I was right. Yes, he's right, making an international database of cows' names as he feels that it's their anonymity that makes it so easy for people to other them and then eat them. He hopes that this project will eventually help end all global warming. And there's actually a hashtag for his project. Global warming. Glo global warming. Global warming. And there's a hashtag. It's hashtag name that cow. So if you want to get involved with this project to give every cow on the planet a name um, to, you know, make, make, make cows are people too, you know? Um, I thought we'd get through one week without gonna, some kind of... I was just about to say. Animals always die in these things. They really this, do. This is not. I'm this is me trying to save the This is this is all about Chris trying to save the cows by giving them names. I thought you'd be on board, Rachel. I mean, these poor <laughs> can't do right for doing no, wrong. No, I would be on board with that. There we is go. He then. Stopping them from dying. Yes. Hashtag name that cow. If you oh if, if you went into a field, Matthew, <laughs> as I was one. I don't eat meat, but I assume the way it works is when you want to have a steak, you walk around the back of the pub you're in, go, oh, I want that cow, please. And that cow gets shot and cooked there and then on the spot. I'm guessing that's how that works. But if you walked around into that pub garden and somebody went, would you like um, Gordon the cow or Steve the cow or Nigel the cow? You go, oh, I can't eat Steve. I mean, Graham? Yeah, well, yeah or Graham. Like, <laughs> I mean, he'd get murdered straight away. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, Steve, execute Steve for my... <laughs> 
my uh, my my steak eating pleasure. Well, you can't help some people. Anyway, let's oh, move God. on. See, you made it bad. Can Rachel. we just that edit the whole thing? Do, do not blame me. <laughs> I am recusing myself of whatever the heck is going on here because you've lost me now. Don't swear. I'll, I'll have to edit that. Um, okay. Uh, hashtag name that cow. Dave Walker. Rachel sulking now. Dave Walker has committed to attending every photo walk in the civilised world this year. Uh, as civilised would start and finish in Oxfordshire, UK, he's very excited about the upcoming photo walk on the 8th of February in Oxford. So, uh, yeah, that's his commitment, just to come to my photo walk, because that's the most important thing to commit to. <laughs> OK, you're going to have to take the next one, Matthew, because Rachel's gone by. OK, first. OK, all right. Um, Dunstan, oh my god, Dunstan Vavasor. Vavasor. <laughs> she came for to swipe it from you, Matthew. Uh, Dunstan is going to spend 2020 working on his pitch for why he should be given the chance to be uh, replace Prince Harry in the royal family. He believes his key skills of waving in a weird fashion and smiling politely for hours on end are all he needs to justify his stature as the real people's prince. Is he a Joe Baker. <laughs> Joe Baker is posting cupcakes to orphans this year. Unfortunately, he's not got any boxes, only envelopes, so the orphans are mostly just getting crumbs, but crumbs sent with love. Oh, Barry Carr. Uh, Barry Carr is going to do his bit for the environment by trying to cut down on his own emissions by only breathing out once for every time he breathes in twice. So, you know, two breaths in, one breath out, halving his emissions. That's pretty impressive. If we all did that, global warming would stop. Just think about that. Yeah. And hyperventilation would increase. Because <laughs> half the population would die. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I haven't run all of the numbers. <laughs> Thank you so much to all of our wonderful coffee donors. I mean, how else could we possibly, you know, thank you apart from doing this insane thing every week? Oh, gosh. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of your donations, everybody. Um, and uh, if, if, by any chance you've not entirely been put off um feel free to go and find our website which is snow16podcast.com um and uh, you can find our coffee page on there as uh, as well as uh, all the show notes and the various lovely pieces of artwork of course matthew Joseph put together <laughs> for us um on instagram as well um, and you can email us to be read out on backing paper at snow16podcast at gmail.com you certainly can. You certainly can. Well, I guess that does it for this week, doesn't it, Rach? I think it might do. Thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. It's been lovely having you, as yeah. always. Thanks for having me. I um, I didn't stuff emails up too badly this week. Not by your I? standards. No, not no, really. You did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Grand. yeah. And as Matthew mentioned earlier, he's going to be working with me to get the information from the Sunnies, in particular things like the list of zines and websites Ooh, yeah. and podcasts, etc., up on there sooner rather than later uh, or sooner rather than not at all ever if it's left to me so um watch this space and hopefully we should have that very soon for you um is that well, hashtag vision 2020 yeah hashtag, <laughs> hashtag vision, yeah hashtag vision 2020 hashtag name that cow um two of my favorite hashtags for this year <laughs> name um, that cow uh all right rach you're gonna get us out of here 
Uh, yeah, sure. Um, thanks very much, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much to everybody for listening. And we will play you out with um, Remortgaging Nest of Hairs by Schnauzer. Oh, and don't forget to listen up after the music if you haven't yet heard last week's special edition of the Sunny 16 podcast with Paul Mackay from Analog Wonderland and Andy Church from Kodak Alaris chatting about ectochrome, price rises and their new photography competition. Uh, all good stuff. Until next week then, listeners. Have a lovely week. Have a lovely week. Have a lovely week <laughs> it is a little bit weird when the three of us right <laughs> have, have a lovelier week <laughs>
<laughs> we certainly do. We certainly do. Uh, it's been about a year since this one guest has been on. Uh, uh, and last time he was on, he made some spectacular announcements, which set the industry on fire and, and possibly his future career prospects <laughs> as well. So, so that's really good. So we're very pleased, first off, to welcome back to the show. And I think he's here to announce that uh, Kodak Ektar 1000 is coming back. So fingers crossed for that, everyone. It's Andy Church from Kodak Alaris. Welcome back, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. And I, I was proven to be correct in the end, wasn't I? So. Hey, hey listen. <laughs> exactly. Short Time is relative, isn't there. it? Yes. Yeah, it's better to get it right. So. Yeah. And, of course, we can't have Andy without his handler, who was on the show, it seems like, far too recently. But we've let him back on again um, because he's promised sweets or something. There must have been some sort of bribe involved. It is, of course, the delight that is Paul Mackay from Analog Wonderland. Paul, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm not sure I'm Andy's handler. I mean, he always <laughs> describes it more as like I'm Robin's his Batman, but um, not that's right either. Do you carry Andy's bags? <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's a- Delight to have you gents both back on. As I said, last time you were both on uh, was, I think it was January last year. And, of course, the hot-button topic then was the Kodak Ektachrome 120, which I think you said would be out, ooh, I think it was April, wasn't it, Andy? In fact, I'm sure it was April. You said around about April. Yeah, I was Um, drawn into something, a little interview that I took some information from. And, uh, yeah, that must have been on a very optimistic timeline. But um, we did get there in the end, as you say. You did. So when did it actually come out in the end? Was it, I'm bad, was it November or was it actually December in the end? It was December, it was, wasn't it? I think it, yeah, it was December in the end, yeah, sort of early December. So, uh, yeah, very big day for us. Um, very good to get it out. Really wanted to get out before Christmas. Just about made it in Europe. Very just about made it. Um, but it's been very well received. Um, of course, we can't make it quickly enough at the moment. Um, but it's um, it's filtering through to every part of the world right now. So, what, if you can, what were the kind of things that were the holdups at the final stage? What were the sort of final problems which were stopping it, which made the difference between April and December? The Etochrome was discontinued in 2012, and from the time of it being discontinued to the time of it being redesigned and brought back, some of the chemicals that were used in the original version uh, would, could no longer be used. Uh, so that required a complete redesign and the complexity of a 15-layer emulsion coated on photographic film um, is, is uh, holds many challenges, really. Um, and 15 so, layers? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So 15 layers of emulsion, all suspended at one time. Um, um, yeah, it's through a, what we call a, a hopper. Okay, so it goes under a hopper and there's a waterfall of chemicals which, which are picked up by the film going under at very high speed. Um, and so they, they're designed um, with different viscosities to all float one on top of the other. Um, and you have to um, chill and heat that very quickly to get it to dry evenly. Um, and uh, and that, that has lots of inherent issues. You can find tuning things that have to happen. Uh, and then with every iteration, you have to test it fully, check the keeping characteristics of it characteristics of it especially when you get closer to the end so every iteration takes quite a long period before you can go back in and fine-tune something and uh, one little sort of bit of noise can cause a real issue and, and mean that there's you know quite a big delay so the fine-tuning does take a lot longer or can take a lot longer than you would hope um, but it's something that you have to get right before you can go into full production wow okay so we might choose to let you off that then <laughs> 
<laughs> so hey, there's 15 layers, like a like a rainbow gig or something, but they're all liquid. Yes, yeah, exactly that. So, um, so it's the, the the key components are suspended in gelatin. So it's like a, a, a gloopy liquid, really, um, but gloopy to different layers, I would say, to different levels. So, um, yeah, so much like a oil floating on water or a B52 in a bar. Um, yeah, so every layer is designed individually to float one on top of the other. That's just crazy. That's cra- crazy clever. Crazy clever is what it is. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so, and but, but you know, uh, uh, it it's been well received, though. I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, we're, I'm personally, I'm really, really pleased with it, um, and I'm, I'm going to sing its praises a little because it's. I'm really pleased with the colours. Uh, I'm really pleased with the sharpness. Um, and it has been well received by everybody. I think it's um, just having a positive uh, film image to look at even before you print it or scan it is um, kind of um, something that, I've, that I'd forgotten about a little bit. Um, and I think people that have used it so far have only really liked it. And uh, they're really talking it up, which is, which is really good moves and um, it makes it very worthwhile to all the time and effort and energy spent in bringing it back. As far as, because obviously great reviews are fantastic, um, and the 35mm has been out now for quite a while, uh, 120 just landed, um, How how is it selling? Because I mean that's the important thing really, <laughs> when all said and done, how is it actually yeah. selling? So so too early, day, too early days really for the 120, so on the 35mm the format, it, it obviously had a, a big uptake to start with then settled down. Uh, I think some people see it more as a sort of, um, because of its, its speed rating of 100, uh, see it more as a summer type film, but it's, it's a good film really for all types of, uh, all times a year really. Um, and so it's going, it's going, going okay, going quite well, I'd say. Um, yeah, I think we're pleased with it and, and certainly very pleased, uh, pleased enough to, to concentrate on the sheet format and the 120 format. Um, and uh, I've got even higher hopes for the 120 format. That's awesome. Um, just you know, you seem like you're somebody who should have a good, strong opinion on this. Uh, I don't know whether you're aware, but there are some people who get very upset about uh, 120 film being called 120 millimeter. Um, do you have a take on this? Do you have a hot take? Uh, I'm happy for people to call it what they want, really. So it's not 120, <laughs> that's, is it? It's, it's that's 61, a good take. 61, like. 61 millimeters, um, roughly. Um, and then it's 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 in different formats for different lengths. So um, yeah, so um, Maybe yeah, I, I don't mind too much. Actually, just Actually, here's a question for you because I I was curious the other day because uh, over the over the Christmas break, um, Graham and Rachel uh, kidnapped me, um, took me to a shed in the middle of the dark countryside. Uh, heard and, about the shed. <laughs> and and made me made me develop my my own film. Um, and that was the last I ever saw of that film, and I certainly haven't seen any of the photographs <laughs> on it. Um, but, 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 you know, uh, that, that, that aside, um, I, I was quite, I, it was the first time I'd ever really seen and appreciated the, the length of a roll of film, um, uh, which I know, if I remember correctly, a length of 35 mil is about three feet or something like that. Anyway, that's what it, roughly what it looked like, or maybe slightly less. Um, how long is a roll of the 120? Oh, do you know what? I don't know. Um, is the honest answer. Oh, okay. It's, it's about that long. If you can see my hand, <laughs> it's not as long as um, 35 millimeter format, and not as long as 220 film, which was twice as long. Um, but yeah, so all right, so it's, it's, sh- it's to... shorter than a roll. I suppose we could we could work it out, couldn't we? Because you've got 
roughly 60 roughly 60 mil per uh, a film per exposure plus plus the gaps either side and you've got about what 12 of those so 12 yeah, sixes yeah. are 72 so it's going to be about 90 centimeters about 90 centimeters to a meter long depending on how much leader you've got on it oh okay fair enough the wonders of google it's 72 centimeters is it okay that's is that right that's the, that doesn't sound long enough because that would only yeah. be the, the exact 12 exposures wouldn't it yeah yeah no it's uh we'll for 16 there you go there is somebody actually knows what they're doing there is the there is the there is the exclusive announcement for for your visit to our podcast this time around google is wrong <laughs> it's a worldwide <laughs> exclusive um and with the um naming of all of kodak's films i mean is it simply a case that they are sequentially numbered based on the when they were produced you know because there's there's so many different films um are they all essentially this is project number whatever it is um perhaps with the exception of 135 film or maybe even that as well i don't know but like 120 116 124 110 you know are they all basically based around project numbers or is it more complicated than that i think it's less complicated more random so I think there's there's been specific reasons for different film names, um, and for whatever reason, Kodak seemed to be notorious in um, giving symbols or shortened names for different um, products that seem to be very random. Like gloss surface paper is with an F, and luster with an E, and matte with an N, um, and silk with a Y. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do struggle with the logic sometimes, and I have asked the question many times and never really had a perfect answer back. So um, there seems to be a random element to it for my money. Oh, fair. Does yeah. um, Ectochrome have a number? Because I mean, I guess do, do all the films have an actual number, like two, two, three, eight, or whatever it is? Does Ectochrome have a number also? Yes, it will do. It'll have a grade number. So when it's coated, it's coated on a specific film base, and and that can change through its lifetime. Um, so, but every film will have a grade number that um, the customer rolls are cut from. Um, the 120 film is coated on a different base to the 35 millimeter format, um, so that that will have a different grade name entirely, um, even though it's it's pretty well the same emotion emulsion. Gotcha. Um, and we've got the 35 mil and the 120. Um, there's obviously still other stuff in the range. Um, I, actually, I might have missed stuff coming out, but what's still left in the ectochrome range to come out? So the 4x5 sheets um, are being finished this month and will soon be available. And then I think almost on a market pool, or market demand, I think other sheet sizes could become available if we felt there was um, a keen interest in them. So... Um, yeah, and, and is the um, eight millimeter uh, movie film out yet? Yeah, uh, yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, that is cool. So you, you're pretty much getting to the finish line of the of all promises um, kept with the Ectochrome. Then, yeah, I think so. I think we're we're pretty well there, really. Yes, yeah. So cool. what, what's next? We ask. Yeah, what's next? We ask. <laughs> Um, I think the next thing is to concentrate on film supply and uh, <laughs> giving a good steady supply to the market. So I think we're going to concentrate on getting that straight now um, and then move into maybe more looking at more returning films, something like that. 
some yeah. particular film from the past that we think may fit into the current portfolio. Can, can we talk about the, the the film supply? Actually, it's interesting you bring that up because we had a few weeks ago we were speaking with uh, a number of people, including Bellamy Hunt, uh, mm. J- Japan camera hunter, yeah. uh, and and he was uh, he was talking about you know global shortages of of, of you know base materials and things like that. Is that is that something that you're referring to there when you say film supply? Um, yes, yeah, so the, there's the key components in the film that, that we just can't buy enough of. And and that's why Eastman Kodak, who actually manufacture the film for Kodak Alaris, who own the license to sell a market film worldwide. Um, so we're, we are dependent on Eastman Kodak um, investing in specific um, infrastructure to give us all the amount of components that we need. Um, and we have got two or th- two bottlenecks, really. Uh, in our supply chain, um, so they're working to put investment in to fix those things, um, and we we will sh- we expect to see um, an improvement come the summer, uh, much later than I would hope, but um, but that's probably where we are. And then probably in about a year's time, I think we we'll hopefully we'll have fixed all the issues and um, be supplying the market um, at a steady rate, um, meeting the needs of the market. I you know, I think that's something. Yeah, we we should celebrate and just sort of, or, or at the very least, officially recognise. And we are now at a point where film photography is so popular that demand outstrips supply. Yeah, it, I think it's tremendous news. I mean, the I'm astounded really by the sort of the the continual new enthusiasm that comes through from different parts of the world and so many people seem to be um picking up film and getting more interested in it and using it and um and getting excited about it and passing the message on and it, it just seems to be growing and growing and um and no thanks to you guys really as well it's playing your playing your part in that yeah, getting well, you in trouble. It's well and um happy as we all are to jump on Andy as the as the main problem in our lives. Um, but it's it, you know the Kodak supply issues uh, that you're referring to. It isn't just Kodak. You know you look at the brands. Lamography have struggled heavily for the last twelve to eighteen months. Fuji, I know, are a totally different beast. But even the films that they know that they want to sell, they've not always been able to keep it. Yeah. Oh no, I hadn't. Mean, sorry, I hadn't meant for one moment to suggest that the the problems were were, were should all be laid at, at Kodak's oh, no, door. No, but the that's but it, it, we should say that. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's but just it is, but really it is, interesting. It is, it is indicative of a wider piece where um, it's probably the one thing that comes back to time and time again. Is people saying, oh, "I've really got into this film. It's now out." And again, the, the story's brilliant because I always go to the suppliers, whether that's Andy or whoever it is, and and their the comment generally is it's just gone crazy and we haven't been able to keep up. So that, that whole story of the mandate stripping supplies continually being brought up um, way more than rather than it being like a supply shortage. Like no one ever says, sort of we run out of this type of plastic and that's gone. Although it might be true behind the scenes. It generally is something's happened. It's gone crazy and we didn't see it coming in. And now we're out for a couple of months. Um, Paul, I've got a question that you are uniquely, well, not uniquely, but you're well positioned to answer. So in the last few months, in the run-up to Christmas and after, we had multiple highly desired films hitting. So we had Across 2, uh, you got Metropolis hit just before Christmas, you got Ectochrome in 120, and then fresh stocks of... um, the uh, Ferrania P30, no longer in alpha or beta, whatever it was before. Now, those are four films that people really want. The question I have is, which one 
flew off the shelves the fastest. <laughs> Which one was like, oh boy? I mean, because I, I know they all sold really well, and I know you cleared it, but which one was the holy cow? The people are going cray cray for this. I think if you if you balance it off, I think um, for different reasons, X Chrome One Hundred and Twenty and Ferrania, and I think it's for different reasons. I think the with X Chrome because of Andy's clever teaser campaign across the year people were ready for it and they were <laughs> it's great marketing genius and no because because people were joke aside because people knew that it was going to come and the experience with 35 mil had been so good there were so many medium format shooters who who you know had almost put the money aside the pocket money waiting for the moment when it would come and could jump on it straight away and um, but on the flip side Ferrani came a bit out of the blue um in terms of the availability was suddenly there um, and that was true for me as well, from the phone call to the stock arriving was a very short time. And I think, Fran, you've learned a lot about managing people's expectations um, the hard way, I think probably over the last few years. But again, people had seen it coming. Some people had tried the alpha and then it was it was suddenly there. Metropolis has sold really well, I think, um, because the Kickstarter was done so well. And then their period of time from Kickstarter to release was so short Actually, a lot of people who were really super keen for Metropolis had probably got into the Kickstarter. So that probably actually suppressed sales a little bit. Not that it's a problem. It's just, again, it's just interesting, all these different ways of, of bringing a new, a new film to market from, uh, from, from the different companies. And then ACROSS has done very, very well among medium format, as you might expect, among pin holders, as you might expect. But, I mean, the price and, and the, it doesn't have the same, I don't think, brand... Uh, equity it doesn't have the same resonance as like Ectochrome or or the P30 that's built up, so that's going a bit slow at the moment. But still, still ticking along, and it and it, it has been crazy. Like the fact that it all happened sort of across Christmas New Year wasn't wasn't brilliant timing for, for managing a retail operation. But at one point, I did have to stop myself. I was complaining to someone. I was like, "What the hell am I doing? Am I complaining that there's too many new films? I mean, Ectochrome 120, the first slide film in medium format for I don't know how long. Um, Across two so good they named it twice uh, metropolis that lamonka keeps saying is you know the first color native film for five years to come out fresh these are amazing achievements and then ferrania like they restarted that factory from scratch um these are all massive achievements i think it goes back to andy's point that that the the health of the industry now versus a few years ago is now is now sort of bearing fruit all these companies are willing to invest in different ways and what they're willing to invest in is now hitting the hands of photographers. It's it's a lovely a lovely place to be. Yeah, yeah, the industry does seem to be in a healthy place, and it, and it is great to see Ferrania um, stabilising at, at long last. It, I was chatting to whilst I was in London, chatting to um, the chap who uh, was working in the photographers' gallery in the bit downstairs where they sell the film. Well, they have a very good selection of film, by the way, Paul. I think they they are they, they are the um, only shop I could think I could possibly go to that could compete with you guys for the sheer range of film that they've got there. It was very impressive. I think we was uh, a job who was on the walk. Uh, I don't know. No, he wasn't on the walk. He was just a chap working there. I don't know what his name is, I'm afraid. But he certainly knew his stuff, uh, knew yes. his business very well. Um, but, you know, he was talking about, you know, how important it is with Ferrania coming back. Because with Ferrania, there is a that's another coating plant, a small one, you know, uh, because, you know, that's what they've got left now. But it means that small batch, it, it, <laughs> there's not very many of you left out there. <laughs> there's Kodak. There's um, Ilford, obviously. Uh, now there's Ferrania. There's Foma, and there's um, oh, what's the Russian one? Um, Vima. 
Sweema, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and is there another one as well that I'm forgetting about? Oh, well, I mean, Fuji, Fuji film have loads, obviously, that they keep secret. <laughs> and obviously, <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's significant. Um, and it could be really significant yeah. for people wanting to make small batch stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's really exciting. Um, the next logical thing to talk about, Andy, seeing as it's been one of the hot button things at Kodak uh, over the last few months, is the fact that the price raise has happened to films um, it happened well it's, it's just happened hasn't it because it was talked about and announced before christmas which probably really helped boost sales because i saw a lot of people going i'm going to buy a load of film now before the prices go up um have they actually gone up now yeah so the, the price rises were from the first of january um so they will have gone up to our distributor network um so how much film we've really sold at new prices yet i'm i'm, I'm not sure but but it has gone up and and it should start to, it will start to filter through um i think some distributors may have put their prices up a little bit early but um it certainly we should be starting to see the, the new prices very soon if not already yeah can you explain a bit how the because the it's not sort of a, a uniform breakdown of price increases across the range can you give just a rough idea of how different films are affected by the price raise Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can. I can try that, and it, it will be different in different regions around the world. Um, so I think we've kind of levelled off pricing worldwide now, which should um, just even things up really on a, on a worldwide basis. But um, um, so we, some films uh, traditionally have a higher margin than others, and we we were really concerned about doing a big price increase. We knew why it was coming. We knew it had to happen. Um, it was passed on to Kodak Alaris from. Um, Eastman Kodak um, and we absorbed where we could a proportion of that price increase and um, and that's why you've got fluctuating uh, prices that are different on each each line of film um, so it really does depend which film line um, certain consumer films we were able to do a little bit more with um, and then um, I would say that black and white pro film was was generally a little bit higher um, sheet film was kind of um, a, a real mixed bag, really. I think there were some historical things that happened on pricing there that have, have now been flattened out a little bit. Um, and there's there's other things that affect the films in terms of their design, their makeup, and how they're put together, and and different things. So it's it is a bit of a mixed bag. But um, probably I would say gold and ultra have fared the best, followed by uh, the pro films in, um, and black and white. Gotcha. And because it did seem like um, things, the cheaper end, like the um, Color Plus 200, that went up quite a chunk. Well, I mean, relative to the original price, that was on the bigger rise on that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, so that that has always historically been a very low margin film. So it's, it's the sort of thing that it's a film that we, we have in the market just to, to um, you know, to have a lower price product, really. Um, and there's really very, very little margin that we could absorb there. So inevitably, the impact there was bigger. Yeah. yeah is it just films that have been affected by this or have chemicals and papers also gone up no just film it's, it really is about the components they use in design and manufacture of film so um so that, that's that's really where it's um, been affected you always get inflationary things always things happen in in terms of costs going up but it's really the the investment in infrastructure that's had the biggest impact 
Yeah, it's, it's, that, that of course is you know. I mean, we, we talk occasionally, you know, on the podcast every now and again about the fact that actually all of this needs to be economically sustainable, because uh, it doesn't matter how much you love it, if it's not economically sustainable, it's not going to stick around. So you know, it, price increases yeah. in that context, uh, you know, it, uh, actually can be uh, you know understood if if the this if the demand is is in some areas of manufacturing outstripping supply. Um, then the, 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 there's an economic factor in there as well, but I guess you know it, it, it's time now where all those people who are interested in shooting film, um, you know, the, all the inv- investment in infrastructure and production that you were talking about earlier, um, the money for that needs to come from somewhere, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and the goal is really so that we can increase manufacturing production to not have any supply situations, and, and people can get the film as quickly as, as they want with. Um, yeah, no, no issues. Yeah, and 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 I think yeah. like yeah, um, Paul, you were saying something earlier um, uh, about your favourite statistic. Yeah, which one? I have no idea. You know. Yeah, exactly. The um, it's, it's, every so often I get I get people who contact me um, who've come back to film and are surprised by what's changed or what hasn't changed, and the one that comes up every so often and, and does always make me smile are the people who come back who who shot a lot of film maybe in the seventies eighties. And they've come back to it now, and they're amazed by how cheap it is. Um, which, again, with us who have been in it the last ten years, maybe we feel prices are going up. Maybe we're comparing it versus digital, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're we're carrying that baggage that is, you know, film is more expensive than other things. These people are coming back to it and saying, "Hang on, I can buy the camera that was my dream camera in my eighties, and I could never afford it. Is now available on eBay for a couple of hundred quid, even if I have to fix it. It's still a lot cheaper." And film hasn't kept up with inflation. I mean, Andy probably knows the stats on that one better than me, but the broad thing being that that cheating analog now is cheaper than it was when analog was at its peak. Um, and for anyone who then is after the camera, the, you know, the best camera from the 80s, best camera from the 70s, it, it, it's reasonably easy to find service and have it back up and running um, in a way that it never was affordable at the time. It's yeah. It's uh, now that when it, when you said that when you mentioned that earlier, I was thinking, wow, that's uh, that that's quite something, isn't it? Because you know, you think of it, and you know, I uh, I I predate digital, but I wasn't really an enthusiastic photographer until later in my life. But uh, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, my dad always used to have these these envelopes, and you get the film, and you put it in, you shoot it, and you put it in the envelope, and magically appear a week later, a, a bunch of prints, and your next film, and it all seemed to to have things like bonus print and true print and things. Uh, yeah written on it um mm-hmm. uh not kodak andy sorry my dad didn't spring for kodak in those days <laughs> but the you know the uh you know the, the, you, you sort of think of it as being uh as being a really cheap thing back then but but actually you know it, it's cheaper now than it's ever been even with price well, exactly. and, you, and you look at you look at like photo albums of grandparents or parents you can see that it's not like they were shooting five films a month um like many of us do today because again it was it was still a cost that was more expensive and now we have got used to things like um it, it, it does seem a bit ridiculous in, in, <laughs> when you think about the cost and the emotions and everything that color plus was being sold at two pound fifty a roll uh that, that <laughs> is it's insane not, it's not I my mean... knowledge but that is insane versus what else could you buy that's two pound fifty that's that complex that's uh, that, i don't you know? i don't know but uh, yeah you could get three of those for the price of a pint in london now so you know it's it, it that that is amazing that you could get it at, at, at that 
type of price at all. So you know, it, clearly that wasn't as as I said economically sustainable. But but even as you say, even if you double it, it's still not what a beer has gone up in that time. Nowhere near. Um, and again, I'm not saying that it's good good thing that prices going up or anything like that. We all want it to be as affordable as possible and to make sure students don't get priced out. There's a lot of things that we do to try and make sure that you know people who 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 need to still be able to shoot it affordably can do. But I think the wider point being this is cheaper than it than it was before. Um, it's something that's just a nice, as I say, a favourite stat, a useful a useful perspective that comes a bit different <laughs> from the month on month or versus what Kodak was in November kind of stuff. Well, I, I know, and, and thank you for sharing it because I think it's important that we, it, you know, that we set have some level of context for this conversation, you know, because it 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 would be very easy to just say, oh, blah blah blah, price is going up, terrible terrible thing, but but actually, what we've got, you know, maybe we're one step closer now to you know sustainability over time, um, uh, yeah, and and I think that that's that again is 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 worth celebrating i think but hey there you go everybody's entitled to their own view of course and um you know uh but i i overall i think it's um it it's it fit it feels like a rebalancing to me i don't know and andy what do you think is it is it a rebalancing we're doing here yeah i think it is yeah i think um so that we've seen growth in the market i think codex picked up market share as well and um and so we've had real pressure in terms of being able to supply um I think a biggest year for film production was 2001. And by the time um, so Eastman Kodak, part of its checkered history really went into chapter 11 in 2012. And by that time, uh, the film volume is less than 1% of what it had been in 2001. Wow. So you, you can imagine the rapid decline. We all know the reasons why advent of digital cameras, mobile phones with cameras in. So everyone's walking around with these, you know, taking pictures, but not on film. Um, and so that that trend looked like it was going to carry on and, and time would run out for film, you know, um, within a few years. But luckily, we seem to have that that's really plateaued and started to climb up again. Um, and I think, you know, lots of tough decisions were made in the past about, you know, do we do we keep making our own components for this different types of the production line or do we outsource it? And and um, and, and, you know, but all, all of it now is being looked at in a in a very new um sort of energetic light and looking at how we how we grow again and and it's not about managing decline it's about growing and um and sustaining and and building a stronger future Mm. yeah well i I tell you what let's that's a very nice way of summing it up so i I suspect we should uh move on to our next little topic item graham well can i just say though i'm I'm just um (laughs) sorry it is a lovely way of summing up but it's also then worth pausing saying Imagine if someone... When did 2016 start? Was it two years ago? Uh, no, uh, three and a half years ago. Half, I think it, it'll, it'll be four years in June. So what would that have made it? 2017, maybe? Is that right? So obviously that was a very 16. different time. 16, sorry, 16, 2016. Imagine if when you're starting and film was in the situation it was there and you're saying one of your first episodes of 2020 was discussing which of the new four films sold best... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And Kodak saying we're just trying to find where's best to grow now that we've made it more structurally financially viable. I mean, it is it is a, again it's one of those sort of just pause moments of the turnaround in five years is. Um, yeah, is you, could, you could probably dine out on that because you've probably came into being at the time at the bottom part of the tick. So um, 
Yeah, well done. So, <laughs> yes, it's all <laughs> down to <laughs> follow the money. Put yourselves on the back, Oh, my God. Well, so, certainly if the demand for film has grown as quickly as the market for film photography podcasts, um, <laughs> you know, we are now experiencing the boom years. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, as you were saying, kind of leading on to the next thing, because the first, well, the first year in particular that we were doing this, there were lots of conversations about films, and it was all about, yeah, it looks like that one's been discontinued now, and that one's gone away too, and that's changed. And you and I went to the photography show for the first time in March of 2017, it would have been. And um, at that point, I think Lomography were there, Um and that was about it, really. That was about the entire film presence. Uh, and then last year, it was better. It was definitely better. Um, Elford were back there on a stand, um, and Intrepid were there, and Sam was there with his Solicam stand, and you were there. Um, Paul kind of squatting on Sam's yeah. stand. Mr. Mr. Patterson was there. Yes, Mr. Patson was there, absolutely, with Hamish also squatting on his stand. There was a lot of squatting going on, but still, it was <laughs> it was a very different story from when we went in 2017. And this year is going to be another significant step forward in that evolution of all of that. Um, we talked to Hamish a bit before Christmas about the fact that there is going to be... Uh, well, it's not really an alley, is it? It's an analogue experience area. I don't know. Does it have a proper name? Spotlights. The analog spotlight. There you go. Yep. Um, a lot more has been firmed up since we spoke to Hamish in December. So you're, although I'm supposed to be aware of what's going on, I don't pay attention to anything. So can you fill us in a bit on where we're up to with what we know about what's happening at the photography show in March? Uh, yeah, sure. So the, um, yeah, the plans are moving quite fast and everyone's sort of moving in parallel as well as these things go. So, um, I, I, there's no way I'm, I'm, I know everything that's going on, but but I do see enough of the bigger picture. Um, so the things that are confirmed probably since December. So the big thing is the confirmation from the photography show go, from the photography show guys for the space. So they've created a bespoke area that they're calling the analog spotlight um, that will have on it some booths for businesses who. Um, either couldn't or, or wouldn't couldn't quite make the financial stretch to a, to a complete shell. Um, they've leant forward and said, well, we really want analogue to be represented properly and we want there to be a space where analogue photographers can go and collect and, you know, huddle around like-minded folk, um, but also where we as a sort of sub-community within photography can help educate people about film if they don't know or remind people it's still there for people who who have been sucked into digital and not, not noticed the resurgence. And basically create a little bit of a hub. Um, and they've confirmed that space. And it's actually, again, you think there's many ways they could have done this without it, you know, sort of ticking a box. Yeah, analog's a bit there. They've put this space really central to the entire show. Um, so it should be pretty unmissable. And there's within it, as I say, there's the booth. So you'll have Stephen from Cosmic Photo, you'll have Steve from Chroma Camera, You'll have Hamish with Pixelator. You've got loads of businesses who are going to be there. I'm not going to try and list them all, so I'll definitely forget them. So that's, that's three off the top of my head, and there's a load more. There's a stage there where we're going to have rotation of talks, presentations, demos. We're trying to get a dark room there. There's a couple of ways of doing that. But again, people will be able to try stuff out. Um, Duncan will be there looking at being able to develop films live for people. Um, so it sort of becomes more of just 
last year was, as you say, brilliant. And you guys led a photo walk sort of around to find the analog uh, snippets amongst everything else, was this is hopefully bringing it all together and saying, well, not only is there more stuff, but also it's together, it's coherent. And as I say, the photography show folk have done an amazing job of supporting it by investing people to pull together speakers. They're looking at um, inviting one of the podcasts, I can't remember which one it is, to do some kind of live show. <laughs> um, one, one of the dodgy ones, I think. I think it's one of the most dodgy, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's, there's things happening that um, I don't think has happened in analog photography for a long time. In fact, there was a really funny conversation where they were speaking to us and they were saying, um, so how do you do a darkroom inside the conference? I mean, Amy sort of looked at them and was like, you're the photography show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 10 or 15 years ago, you'll have had so many dark rooms in there. It's unreal. What, are, you, are you kidding me? And they're like, oh, yeah, good point. We'll go and find the documents about, you know, how do you dispose of chemicals and things. They were genuinely asking us, which was a bit of a surprise. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a whole load of analog excitement, I think. And as I say, everyone's now sort of working out exactly what they can do within it. So we're definitely going to be there. We're probably going to have um, a small shell next to the spotlight area like solar cam. Um, Intrepid are there next door. Camera Rescue have just confirmed. So they're coming across. They've got two spaces, one of which they're doing as a store and one of which is a 18 square meter of surprise is what they're <laughs> currently <Ooh>. sharing. <laughs> Rich. <laughs> uh, I love that. Can we, can, could be we haven't, literally anything. <laughs> we haven't spoken to Yuho yet, um, which is a gross oversight on our part. Um, can you just quickly, for people who don't, who haven't heard of Camera Rescue, just give us a quick oh feeling God. on what Camera Rescue is? I mean, <laughs> they're everything to do with rescue analog cameras. So um, every time you see their Instagram, Yuho is somewhere in Europe with some kind of vehicle, different people, like raiding stores in a good way, uh, unloading warehouses. So their, their goal is to rescue 100,000 film cameras, I think it is, um, from cupboards. Their their whole reason of being is that point that we all know, you know, the big, the big bottleneck in film photography is the supply of good quality, fresh working film cameras. And they're are really worried about the fact there's so many in cupboards that are slowly moving to disrepair. So they are just trying to find cameras all over Europe, um, repairing them and getting them back out into the world. They had a big announcement, I think, last week where they'd been trying to work on an app that would help link people up. And they were saying, you know what, we've tried this for years, we're going to wind that down. And they're relaunching a course that's to do with rescuing cameras as well. But every time I speak to him, like the ideas that that guy has and the energy is just amazing. So I'm really excited to see what they bring to hopefully sell because i think we'll all walk away a little bit poorer and a little bit happier from that experience and then what an 18 meter square of surprise is i mean i dread to think hey, it sounds way. like fun though definitely definitely a exactly. reason for people to <laughs> definitely a reason for people to go visit the photography show this year no exactly and he's coming in from finland with his team with <laughs> a truck full of cameras it's gonna be amazing it does sound very cool very cool um so yeah that's going on on the uh, i can never remember the days was it i think 17? it's the i think it's the 14th to the 17th of march if i remember i think this is the the weekend the saturday is the 14th of march and it goes through to the tuesday if i recall correctly um and uh uh there'll be there'll certainly be a sunny 16 uh meet up and, and event on the saturday won't there 
Yes, absolutely. Um, because we do have quite a lot of people getting in touch saying, I'm thinking of coming. Even people come from um, abroad coming, which is really cool. Um, I, I hope some of these guys make it. Um, saying what day to aim for. Saturday is definitely the day to aim for mm. um, if you want to sort of be at the meetup. There's, the nice thing is that this year, no matter what day you come on, if you can't do the Saturday, um, there will be plenty of people and voices you've heard before and folks like Paul um, and like you said, you're going to be floating around, didn't you, Andy? <laughs> And Andy's watching football somewhere. Yeah. I swear. But... <laughs> Sorry, Sitting he's already starting to play. <laughs> I will have a very fluid presence at the show. I'll definitely be there. Yes, yes. Then, I'm, I'm very, very glad to hear it because I, I felt like an analog photography king last year because I, I had recently shot my very first role of Ectochrome, uh, and I'd sent it off to to Duncan at Silverpan, uh, and then I went to the photography show, and Duncan brought me my slides uh, <laughs> that he had developed uh, and, and he, I think he, he, uh, he brought me the, the, the scans but he also brought me the slides and then I bought a little light that day for yeah, photography light and Andy you held it for me while I viewed my so I felt I felt like I was being treated like a king I had my, you know I had my lab no, Andy does that for everybody by Zectochrome he turns uh, up personally to show them <laughs> the transparencies well no, I had, I had my lab I chopped I my Kodak film and, and, and I had my, my lab bring it to me personally and, and then my own personal <laughs> Personal Kodak Alaris representative helped me view my slides. I, f- I felt great. <laughs> so no stand for Kodak this year, which is a sad thing, Andy. I think we can all agree. Although I bet it's not too late yet, knowing how the photography show tends to operate. I bet it's not too late yet. I mean, you know, you've got loads of stuff going on. When's Kodak going to come back to the photography show? Mm, yeah, I think we need to put some plans in place. I'm, I'm not sure we'll have a stand this year. Um, but we'll see what we can do. Um, we'll get you on the or something. So. We'll go on the stage. You can do a, can do a mm. speech or a song. <laughs> I can do a little dance if you like. So um, <laughs> yeah, get a bit of Northern Soul on, I'll be there. <laughs> World exclusive. <laughs> Why did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> World exclusive, folks. You well, heard it here. my way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's going to be good this year. Um, I think there's more reason than there has been for a very, very long time for anybody who's interested in analog stuff to come down. Because as you know, you were saying, Paul, it's not just about all the stuff that's going to be there, all the people on the stands, but um, we're also looking to do more stuff as well. And there's going to be a bit of space to have hopefully demonstrations and stuff going on. Um, it should be really good. No matter what day you come on, it should be good. But um, I think we're going to have quite a big gathering of folks there on the Saturday. There was quite a big gathering of people <laughs> last year on the Saturday um, so even if it's just that many again that's a fairly terrifying amount of people but I think it's going to be more this year I think it's going to be a really good time and the nice thing is we're going to have a good central space for going to and basing everything from so I'm really looking forward to it um, I think it's a little bit less stressful than it was last Saturday last year on the Saturday because that was quite manic that day uh, I seem to recall um, the secret Graham of- the secret will be in the preparation that we do so it is within our control within, within our gift to help ourselves out there I think <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Also, anyway, let's not. Let's just, I was quite prepared. Um, <laughs> after, after last year, I think bring an umbrella. So, um, 
or a canoe yeah. even. It was, yeah, it was absolutely. Torrential uh, at the end of the show, but yes. Yes, it was a bit, which was unfortunate as people were kind of wandering off all around the site outside trying to find a bar to go to. I <laughs> like, no, come back through all the rain. It was great. Um, but it'll be better this year, I'm sure. It'll be lovely weather. We won't have the snow. We won't have the torrential rain. This is going to be the year of sunshine. So stands to reason, really. Um, Couple of all... um, logistics points, though, sorry, is um, just if, if people can't make the Saturday, there is still stuff planned for Sunday that's being worked. Um, and also, obviously, Monday, Tuesday, all the people who are at stalls will be there. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, the Saturday's the main day. Also, if people want discounted tickets, then there's a couple of ways they can get 20% off the day, um, the day tickets. So, uh, Hamish has a code, actually, um, on his article. Oh, there we go. So if you if you want to come along that you haven't bought a ticket yet, then make sure you use 35MMC TPS20. So it's all one word, 35MMC TPS20, um, and you'll get 20% off. Um, so even more reason to come along. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that all sounds very good. Um, so we've been able to pick your, you know, brains andy about the pricing and codec chrome and uh, we've talked about the photography show i feel like it's probably time to move on to the bit where the merciless shilling goes on um because whenever you two are on there's usually a good reason it's because you've got something hatching between you so what is going on in your devious little minds at the moment well you will be shocked to hear we thought <laughs> competition might be a good idea um... i'm shocked and stunned i'm, I'm stunned. stunned yeah I, I really am okay so um Let's see, how do we... So the, the last year we talked about low light magic and it was all about the 3200, which was relatively recent. And when Andy and I were talking about what kind of thing it would be fun to play with this year, um, Andy got really hooked on this idea that 3200 isn't really 3200. Um, and in fact, he kept saying to me, the box speed of 3200 is 800, which confused the bejeevers out of me um, because it's on the box. I agree with you, Paul. <laughs> Andy's boxes are lying to us. I was looking at the box going, do I know what a box is anymore? I'm so confused. <laughs> um, no, so the, the, the slightly serious point behind it all is the um, the fact that, that P3200 is a, let me get this right, an 800 speed film originally designed that can be pushed to 3200 while still retaining the, the detail without getting too grainy. Is that a fair summary, Andy, of the, uh, of the film's capabilities? It's a perfect summary, definitely. Oh, there we go. Good. <laughs> we practiced that one. No, the, um, uh, and, and when we, went, we talk about this, we're then saying it's interesting that, that people who understand that often shoot 3,200 at 800 um, rather than pushing T-Max 400 or anything like that and get really good results. Um, and we were talking about this, and then we, we were saying, well, the whole pushing, pulling thing with film, um, don't think is as common or as well-known as people might think. I think I know a lot of people who are very comfortable with choosing a film and independently choosing the ISO to shoot it at. But I also know that a lot of people get the film, even buy the film based on the ISO and, and would never think to deviate or even understand that that's a thing. So what we're, what we're trying to do with the competition is just get people to experiment a little bit with pushing and pulling films, um, specifically the T-Max range, because that has 100 and 400 speed in 35 mil and 120. And then also the, the famous P3200 in 35 mil. So um, as, as sort of last year and as summer, we're saying, well, submit your photos um, on the theme of pushing and pulling your film. 
Uh, let us know which TMAX film you used. Let us know what you shot at that. And then let us know what your experience was, anything you learned, what did you like. Because obviously the grain tends to increase when you push. Um, contrast tends to increase when you push, but not always. Um, different lighting situations. You know, you can shoot um, P100, at 100 TMAX at 200 speed or 400 at 200 speed, and you'll get different images. Um, all of this kind of thing. And basically encouraging people to just have a bit of a play with it. Um, now, the name of the competition is obviously a pun. So I was going for, no, Andy was going for uh, Out on the Pull. Which was like a, <laughs> I, because I came from an era where salt and pepper was a thing, we're going to push it real good. Um, yeah, that's what my vote is for. Because for that sure. one comes with a theme tune as well. Uh, we've actually gone for something else. Andy's going to do the big reveal of the name of the competition. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It's it's push. It. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's um yeah, but it's, oh think out, outside the box. Speed. Think out by the box. Think outside the box speed. Yeah, I've got it in front of me. Believe it or not, <laughs> that's one way of making it memorable for everybody. <laughs> that's a clever marketing again. Genius. Yeah, so we're gonna um, we're gonna push think outside the box speed for the next few weeks and just um, as I say, encourage people to try it. Have you guys done much pulling in your time? <laughs> Muscles mainly. Not, for a, not um, for a few years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pushed a few films, more pushing than pulling. Um, I have to say, definitely. But yeah, some color film and some um, black and white films with varying degrees of success. Most recently, not so much success. But um, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a good fun thing to experiment with. So, so just make sure I am understanding it correctly. So this is this is for just for people shooting on the T Max range of films. Yeah, we decided to um, try and make it uh, a bit more focused. So I think for people who have never tried it before, the world of film, I mean, obviously you can push or pull any film in the world. Um, and if we spread it too much, then it would be hard for anyone to sort of learn something. So obviously with Kodak involved, it would have been rude to do Ilford. HP5 is the main film. So we thought we'd do um, Themax, because obviously then there's the options that people have. Uh, people can do the experiments, like shoot them all at, at ISO 200 and see what the different images are. Um, and hopefully just, uh, you know, like we did with um, the slide competition this summer, and it was all about sharing tips and getting people to think a bit more openly about slide from different situations. This is more about getting people to think about pushing and pulling films, why you might do it. You know, and obviously, again, people don't have to, but so many people, when they, they'll say what their favourite film is. And then actually, when someone shot a certain stock for a few years, people start to say, their favorite film and also their favorite speed that they shoot it because they realize that that sort of slight tweak gives a gives a different look and they really enjoy the slightly extra graininess or the slightly flatter contrast all this kind of thing so it's sort of just helping people i think get to that next stage of, of understanding a film and it made sense to um to do it with t-max which is black and white so you don't need to worry about the color side of things easy to do at home if you if you home develop um and uh and you and you have a few different sort of base speeds to choose from 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds like it makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, because basically, it gives people to a chance to experiment and find out just how much Kodak are lying with their boxes. Because as you pointed out, it says <laughs> thirty two hundred on the box, despite the fact that apparently the box speed is eight hundred. So maybe you could have made some tie like, to the Kodak lies competition. Um, that although P does have a meaning, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, that's thirty two hundred. So I think, um, no, it's, yeah, I think it's good to have a have put a whole family of film in the spotlight and there's a lot of latitude with, with the black and white films particularly with um, T-Max um, so got very very fine grain it's a very sharp film but if you use it um, and, and process it slightly differently then you get a, you can get a very different look and feel um, which we think is a good thing if you know that that's what you want to do so it's, sure. it's very much about sort of um, uh, dipping your toe in the water and trying a few different things with it and also, I, 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 am, I honestly believe a lot of people shoot it at 3200 and process it normally and don't push the process. Um, oh, and they are getting, they they are getting a different look. Speed. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's, plenty, there's lots of information sheets around it and lots of um, uh, things that help uh, photographers and support them. And, and we're going to highlight lots of different um, techniques and tips for people and get them to share their ideas and, and to try different things with the film i've got a few questions andy and i pick your brains about and um, first off what is the most extreme push you have seen that has been essentially successful with one of your t-max films so pull, but most so, push so so the, the push really so pushing it at 3200 is is you will get the same look and feel as 800 speed then as you as you push the more if you carry on pushing so you, you extend your development to try and get more what will happen is you'll just get uh, a more grainy look really so the contrast will change a little bit and your, the look will go more slightly more grainy and mm -hmm. um i wouldn't like to say i couldn't say how much i've never seen anybody use it I don't knowingly know of anyone that's used it past 3200, but I know oh, that you that can. cannot be true. You see it today with no photographer's ever gone, oh, this will be fine at 12,000, whatever it is. That yeah, but they've probably done it and then kept it in their back pocket and or tucked it in a drawer somewhere and not shown it to me. But um, That so, seems like uh, absolute I mean, open challenge. Yes, yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get that sort of result. I know that... Um, the um, T-Max 400, you can shoot at 800 speed and you'll get no noticeable difference. Um, so there's that latitude. You can shoot the same, you can shoot different speeds on the same roll. So if the light dips down, you can change it. Um, and obviously you can't change the process. Uh, you can't push the process differently through the same roll. So it has got a lot of latitude. It's got a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Um, and is would you say that the T Max films, because the obviously the T grain films, are they better for pushing and pulling than the traditional grain films, uh, or is it all much of a muchness? So they they are better, and I would say they're better because they have a a, a, um, a better start point. So the design of the T grain emulsion. So if you think it, we used to use cubic silver grains, and T grain was really designing a a flattened rectangular. So it had a bigger surface area compared to the mass of the grain, and that allows it to absorb more light and makes gives it a faster response. You get more speed for the amount of silver and the surface area. And also, because of the shape of the grains, you get less light scatter amongst the grains in the emulsion. So, so instantly, you get a much better position, and you can go to higher speeds without adding grain. Uh, graininess to the fill 
to the look and feel of the image, the final image. So, um, and then of course they 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 do um, as you go up the scale. There's a finite. You can only get a silver grain to be so big, and then that increase in speed stops. But the silver grain of a tea grain will give you a lot more latitude, and it's a lot more uh, tolerant of of pushing and pulling, or the or shoot or underexposing really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you got any good tips for people? Because you said that, you know, a lot of people shoot um, 3200, the P3200 and just develop it at without pushing it. They develop it at, let's say, box feed as recommended on the box. Um, what tips would you give to people who are maybe trying this for the first time or for maybe people who aren't trying it for the first time but have had less success than they'd want? Uh, like I said, like I recently did when developing a roll of um, HP5 at 1600 and it kind of didn't come out great. So I honestly think with photography, you've got to you've got to know what you want to do, uh, what what type of image you're trying to capture, and you you give yourself the best chance of of doing what you want to do by following the main rules, which is the the think at, think on the box speed, but then experiment around it so that when you want to go outside of the box speed, you kind of you know more or less what you're going to get, uh, but you do it in a planned way, and unless you want to just go for something random, but um. I think it's always good to um, to know your speed settings and the ISO of the film you're using, of course. Got you, got you. And are I there any developers? And I was about to say, sorry, I think that's that's what when we're talking about it, we're hoping that that people do because I know that there will be a load of experienced photographers listening who push and pull quite comfortably, are happy to do one or two stops. And I think what we'd love to do a competition is them sharing the best photos and the top tips, but also then taking it even further. Like those experienced guys are the ones who can then see how high they can take 3200 um, past 64 into the 128 um, range, you know, and then people who have never done it before, hopefully this is a chance just to try it one or two stops out of their normal range and just get comfortable with it. It's like Andy says, if you, if you know and understand what happens either way on different films, then when you need to, when it when it's when it's a bit dark, but you want something that's a bit grainy, a bit more contrasty image, you know when you would push a 400 speed film rather than immediately pull out a 1600 or something like that. Giving people the comfort and the ability to do that, and then we'll we'll judge. Well, Andy will be the head judge as always. Um, two grand prizes. Uh, the the judging will be done then based on people going out of their comfort zone and learning something and creating a great image from it. Whether that is pushing or pulling one stop, but I've done it before or doing three or four stops in their experience, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of your starting point and making sure that people are trying to help people learn from the experience and just add a new sort of toolkit to their arsenal. Because I think people hear it and think it's really complicated. Actually, it's as simple as changing your setting on your camera at the start and then and then developing it slightly differently or telling, telling Duncan to develop it differently. Um, but then knowing how the result links back to that is really, I think, the key thing for, for future success. Yeah, I think I think there's lots of photographers that do settle outside the box speed, so they find a look and feel that they really like, and um, and then make that their signature almost, and, and replicate it time and time again. But it always comes from that initial experiment, or maybe even an accident or something. But but thinking outside the box or sitting outside the box is um, is quite common. Got you. Cool. Um, so for people sending in entries. When you're, uh, I've, I mean, I guess it's going to be a bit of a balance of both, but um, what are you mostly going to be looking for? Because, you know, is it going to be the, how, how are you going to balance out how far people are pushing things with the ultimate image quality and stuff like that? You know, what, are there any 
tips that people can go for in terms of uh, this is what we're looking for or is it just like no go for it and you'll balance all things out accordingly so if somebody's got you, you will perhaps accept slightly lower image quality if it's 12,800 than maybe if it was you know something pushed to 400 but it's the content rather than the um, ultimate quality yeah i think i think there's there's certain skill in shooting in low light and there's certain skills in shooting sort of a high moving high speed moving image um so i think um you know ultimately you look for a good image and, and that's kind of why you take a photo in the first place and there's lots of reasons for an image to be good um so i, I think it's very open um and if there's a certain if we can see a certain good reason for doing something then um we'll obviously take that into consideration so there's, there's it's very open to all types of images really so that sounds good so so the important thing is i don't think we've covered this yet is, is how exactly do people submit their images so we'll have as we've had competitions before there'll be a page on the website that's that's easy to link to from the home page and a really simple google form um just to throw them up there Again, like like in the summer when people were shooting sliding, we asked sort of what's your top tip for other people. I think we'll probably put something in there again of, you know, <clears throat> is anything about this image to do with pushing or pulling that you thought about? Was it planned? Are you pleased with the results you got? Or did you did you sort of preconceive of this amount of grain, this amount of contrast, or was it a bit of a happy accident? But you're really glad you learned from it, that kind of thing. Because um, as Andy says, the, the quality of the image will definitely be obviously a deciding factor in the, in the winners. The winners have to be really good photos but we're really interested in how mm. people got there what they learned from it and what the community can learn from it because again that's something that really experienced photographers will have a load of, of, of really valuable knowledge for beginners but even beginners pushing and pulling their first films will have insights and things that that, that are fresh so um yeah so there'll be a web page there we'll, we'll again we'll share them on social media um as we go through just so people can start to see it um we're also doing a promotion on the, the TMAX to hopefully encourage people to uh, feel comfortable experimenting and, and throwing a throwing a film into the test bag, um, which is uh, four for three. So if you buy three TMAX films from, from the site, um, you'll get one for free. So just put four in your basket and the cheapest one will be free. There's no limit on the redemptions or number of orders or whatever like that. Because again, what we're hoping is that even if someone's stocking up on their normal ones, then they get a free one, but this time they're going to, you know, push to 6400 and see what happens or yeah. uh, or they'll shoot one at one at box speed and one two stops below and, and you know there's no risk in that time from a from a from across the film well even, um, even better than that actually because that gives you a comparison doesn't it so you yeah so you know, you, you could it, there's a little bit of a control point to your experiment there isn't there if you're shooting one at box speed mm. and and one uh, pushed or pulled okay and for the, avoidance, for the avoidance of doubt four identical films and shoot them at different lines <laughs> <laughs> for the avoidance of doubt the website that you're referring to here is analog wonderland yeah that is correct okay so analogwonderland.co.uk yep head there and we'll try and make it as obvious as possible uh, where to submit photos we will i'm working with andy and someone in this team so that over the next couple of weeks we'll be releasing um, bits of information articles or or downloadable materials that just sort of build on this topic a little bit and um, help people help inspire people so yeah really just hopefully something that that people might think might be quite fun and i know that the light's a bit crap and the weather's a bit crap at the moment and and often the new year especially well i find it is maybe a bit hard to get inspired and hopefully this is something that'll just encourage people to shoot some photos share some share some knowledge and um and just see what other people can create <laughs> 
Hey folks, uh, just a quick interlude here. We realised we forgot to talk about the date. Uh, the date by which people have to put in the competition entries for, for Paul and Andy's competition. So just for the sake of completeness and to not leave loose ends hanging around, that date is the 17th of February. So you have a good few weeks to, to get your film, get your photos done and submit them. Excellent. Enjoy. Okay, well, listen, guys, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, it's great, great to talk to you. Great to catch up. Uh, great to uh, hear about the competition, to get some little insider industry knowledge, of course, and, and to hear more about what's going on at the photography show. It's, it's, I was looking at my diary, actually. As we record this, uh, the photography show is only three weeks away, I think. Maybe no, that can't be right. Three and a half. It's no, well, it's <laughs> three, three right, and a half. Yeah. Three and a half weeks then, for, till it starts or something like that. Anyway, it's not very long. So as people as people hear this show, it's going to be only three weeks in the future. So, so uh, it's going to be a, an interesting time Is that coming right? up. No, because it, it's the whole of February to add in between as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about oh, this February. Is like, this is like box speed all over again. It is. I've been. Uh, yeah. Good point, Andy. Thank you for the correction. I've got a calendar. Yeah. Add a picture of think outside the box speed in front of me now. <laughs> Just in case. Yes, you're right. It is a few more weeks than that. See, this is this is why you guys are in charge of running the competition, and let's face it, the business end of photography. Whereas I just talk at the internet every once in a while. <laughs> That was a Charles just... Lady Diana moment. You're just trying to make me feel better, aren't you? So... <laughs> no. I'm, I'm referring to the wedding. The Most, mostly I'm just trying to make me feel better, actually. But there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, clearly it's time for me to try and exit the show. And we all know how good I am at that. Um, so uh, before I do that, um, any last business, anybody? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, except to say that we'll be back later in the week with the sunnies. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yes. Fred, don't you have a photo walk as well? Oh, yeah. I've got a photo walk coming up as well. I mentioned that on back of paper. But, yeah, on February the 8th, I'll give it another shout out. On February the 8th, there are two photo walks going on. There's one really good one going in on, on in Oxford that you should definitely come to that starts at 11 o'clock in the morning, which is a great time for anything to start. And there's another crazy one going on in Brighton, organised by some weirdo who I don't know, that starts <laughs> at 7 o'clock in the morning, which is nuts. Uh, anything to add to that, Ed? Uh, yes. Uh, um, it is by weirdos that you do know. Uh... And it's also <laughs> not in Brighton, so there you go. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, it's, it's down south. Where is it? So it it is it is a few miles west of Brighton, actually, in a in a in a little town on the south coast called Worthing, um, which uh, uh, is less well known than Brighton, but also has a very picturesque seafront and and its own pier and stuff like that. So, so uh, yes, some of our listeners may have heard of a of, of a fellow called Anil Mystery. Um, who happens to live down near the on the coast as well, um, and so Anil and I are going to get up for a sunrise photo shoot um, on the eighth of February, uh, and because the sun rises at seven twenty-five that day, we're meeting up at seven a.m. Um, so uh, lest lest that put you off, um, there is a second meeting time after breakfast at ten a.m. as well. Well, by the which time some of us will have gone and shot some photos and had some breakfast. So. So, but uh, yeah, there will all be uh, both. Both of those are up on photowalk.me, aren't they? Because yours is up now as well. 
Yes, yeah. Although I'm not sure that your the ten o'clock one is on yours, but I don't know whether you're having a separate no, it, sign up for that. It doesn't let you. Uh, no, we'll we'll cover that off in the social media marketing bit because it, it, the the website only lets you put one start time for reasonable <laughs> for re- reasonably obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so uh, we'll 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 work that out. I didn't think about putting two on. That would just get horribly confusing. That would. Anyway, anyway, uh, good, good, um, good memory jogging uh, for for the things that we should have remembered to talk about. Um, uh, I'll I'll risk it again. Anything else we should mention before we close the show? I don't think so now. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's let's confidently do this then. <laughs> we have been. The Sunny 16 podcast. Um, uh, It is uh, a great uh, privilege and honour to talk to you all. Uh, We will play you all out now with Rachel's band Rocker. Um, Rachel will be back for the Sunny show. So, yeah, uh, this is really good news to catch up with her again. And, uh, yeah, Rachel's band Rocker. You can get their album, Promises I Should Have Kept, on Amazon, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Bandcamp, and probably other places as well. Um, Yeah. It's not. I'm not going to say we'll be back next week because actually, I think this show's going out Wednesday, Graham. Yeah, probably. So we'll speak Wednesday, to you tomorrow. Tuesday, That's a bit. This really what It's like, hey, good night, folks. Yeah, we'll speak to you in the morning. <laughs> 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 Just like one big, one big analog photography sleepover <laughs> round Graham's oh. house. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's welcome. And on that note, uh, speak to you all soon, folks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye for now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>